that's still lurking. That's not out of play. My first choice that you turned down that we have not mentioned what it is, but uh, it it. Uh, <laughs> I that is definitely an April. So movie. in order to give uh, Daniel, oh, I forgot your name for a moment. I honestly forgot your name for a moment. <laughs> this wouldn't be the first time. Uh, seriously, uh, to give Daniel a little bit of a uh, a little, little, little bit of a. Uh, stay of execution from me and trying to inflict this un unnamed other evil film on him. I did choose three summer comedies, summer related comedies, mm. which uh, uh, I think, yeah, this is the first of, I think I'm going to do the other two over the course of my next three choices. So pretty much until like the middle of August, we'll, I'll be doing summer comedy stuff. Not that you have to it's do the gonna... same thing yourself. You can choose whatever you want, but no. yeah. Oh, I can't thank you, I'm Bill. just saying, just because I suddenly have a theme doesn't mean you're obligated to choose a theme or uh. be the same theme that I have randomly chosen for absolutely no reason. It's going to be weird to... Because we've never, I don't think we've really done just a straight up comedy, wacky comedy. Have we before. not? I mean, we. And comedies are, are difficult to talk I mean, about. We, I mean, Because you're just like, that joke's funny. What? I'm trying to think. I mean, we did like uh, Victor Victoria, which was supposed to be a comedy. That was fucking terrible. Supposed to be? I mean, supposed is to be. the keyword there? Um, We haven't done like an ironic comedy, I would say. Like a modern kind of like wink wink at the camera we're gonna kill a bunch of kids in this comedy kind of movie um yeah. we've done like some old-timey stuff that's true but this is the most like kind of modern that. comedy i think that we've probably tried not that yeah not that you bring it up um yeah wet hot yeah. american summer from 2001 i didn't even realize it was that old i thought it was like from maybe the mid 2000s at the at the earliest um because mm. every because that means that movie wet hot american summer is almost as old now as the shit they're parodying in that movie. Because, that you know, they're parodying yeah. shit from 20 years before that in 1981. Well, but it's, is it a parody? Because I read that the writer or director... Well, not really a parody. ...based it on his... It's kind of a pastiche. ...based it on his, his life. Yeah, it's... Have you seen many 80s camp movies? Because I've uh, only seen um, Meatballs, and it was fucking terrible. Yeah, uh, no, Meatballs. And I, I remember... I remember the only thing I really remember about Meatballs, besides not liking it, is the guy who made us all watch it turning red <laughs> in the face because he was laughing so hard at the terrible jokes. Which in Meatballs, it. though? Because there's like four or five Meatballs movies. There's one with an alien, the, which is the one I've seen the most of. The one with Bill Murray. Is it? I would make sense that he would be in the first one, and the second, the other ones would just kind of go off with that. You know, they couldn't get him back, so he's filming Ghostbusters yeah. and shit like that. No, yeah, that's one of the things where Friday night where I suddenly decided, like, because like, in the last couple episodes I was talking about how I wanted to do some, uh, just do some 80s comedy movies, but I couldn't find too many that yeah. I hadn't seen before. And I was like, well, it's it's it's, it's late July of uh, 2018 as we're recording this. Like, the summer, not quite winding down, but we're getting towards the latter third of the summer. And I was like, eh, maybe, <laughs> I, I have not seen, I'm not too experienced the ways of, like, 80s summer comedies. I've seen some, but not definitely not any. Uh, well, definitely not oh. all of them, and of course, even the ones that are a lot of people love, like Meatballs, I think are terrible, the bits and pieces Wait. I've seen, but... have is Porky's a camp comedy, or a school comedy? I think that's a screwball school comedy, because the, the only okay. bits I've seen... I couldn't seen... remember if that took place in a camp no, or a Yeah, school. because the only bits of that I've seen are, it's a bunch of schoolgirls in, like, a school... Uh, it's not very good. It's, the again, only reason to see it is for the titties. Yeah, it's just... 
That's the thing. Looking up the list of eight. It was just, it was that, it was that one VHS you always saw at the, mm -hmm. the rental store, and I'm like, I gotta see And that. dad might be looking at it or something like that, or someone else's dad, or someone's <laughs> old, old fucked up dad, grandpa. Dad, you perv, stop uh, it. <laughs> my dad was the only dad looking at that shit, but yeah. Which is, <laughs> did you know the guy, well, you don't care about a Christmas story, but I was gonna say, yeah, Porky's one of the few, uh, I think it was Porky's, was directed by the same guy who made a Christmas story. Um, that guy's two biggest claim to fames. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I got I got to looking up a list of 80 summer comedies. Man, nine tenths of the actually I should look that shit up right now because that shit is fucking dire. 80 summer comedies, mm. uh, which also got me back to thinking about how I keep on trying to browbeat you into watching One Crazy Summer though, which I did rewatch this weekend. Oh, yeah, and I was like, I still like that movie, but it is definitely not held up as much as I thought it would. And so it's definitely, mm. I would still force it on you just because I'm a jag off, but it's, <laughs> I do realize now that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, I, I would have to recommend it to you with, with reservations, but like, yeah, it's just, and that was kind of nice things about, I was like, oh, what hot American summer where it's like eighties oriented, but like with today's well, it counts as sensibilities and even all that shit aside, just the fucking cast alone. Um, because yeah. it's even, even like 10 years ago, I remember people talking about how, how star-studded What a Hot American Summer, and even in that 10 years, even more people out of that cast have become famous, and I'm just convinced yeah. all it's gonna take is one more decade, and like the three or four people in that movie who aren't super famous now will finally become uh, famous, and then every single motherfucker in that movie will just be constantly like, yeah, will all be like Oscar, uh, nominees and shit like that. Um, it is kind of weird mm. that, like, the main female lead in this movie, the main chickie that What's-His-Face is all gunged up about, she's, like, like almost the only person in this whole cast who's not, like, not not now known. But, like, mm. even, like, Molly Shannon, who's just playing a random, like, third, third-rate character is, like, you know, kind of shit like that. But, yeah, What Hot American Summer, we're talking about that. Man, I am just looking up. There's a movie called Gorp. Summer <laughs> School Summer Rental. Little Darlings? I haven't even heard of half of these 80s summer comedies. Little Darlings. This is... Of course, half of them are just meatballs, because there's so many goddamn meatballs yeah. movies. Oh, my well, fucking I, God. Well, I hate to break it to you, but every single one of those uh, summer comedies from the 80s, Bill, the plot is, let's get laid by the end of summer. Yeah. I don't want to be a virgin by the time school comes I'm back. I'm generally kind of surprised that What Hot American Summer doesn't lean into that too bad. There's one sex kind of sexy scene that kind of parodies that shit in this movie but like that's it it's literally five minutes yeah. out of like 90 minutes but anyway yeah we should start talking about fucking wet hot american summer it's fucking stupid as shit yeah it's wait we watched a thing <laughs> we're just gonna yeah we sure did watch that movie it's filled with things <laughs> we watched it um we're it's jimmy garofalo Things happen. Well, that's what I, you know what? That's actually one of the weird cases of like Janine Garofalo. Her star has faded. She's the one person in this mm. cast who is a not famous or B. I mean, she's still known, but she's not like a big star. Like half of the people in this movie are like in, are are like in movies right now, like Marvel billion dollar blockbusters. Um, yeah. But yeah, Janine Garofalo is this like the last movie she was ever in? Um, this was it. This killed it. Yeah, but but it's it's August eighteenth, nineteen eighty one. Oh, this is the other thing I was gonna ask. 
Well, How difficult was it for you to do a synopsis of this film? Because there's not much of a strong plot. It's just more of a loose collection of vignettes. Yeah, Is that kind of rough? So, so. Yeah, because... I, I didn't really write down a lot of the jokes, because what are we going to do? Be like, and then the, the thing that they made a joke. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple major story threads uh, focusing around, like, yeah. half a dozen characters. I may, like... Yeah, I basically said what... what scene it is and what happens in the scene and didn't really elaborate a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, I found myself there. writing some of the punchlines and realizing the punchlines don't make sense unless we do an elaborate explanation of exactly what's going on. But yeah, it yeah, opens up. Smear there's... mud on my ass. <laughs> I did not expect the guy from Law and Order to be in this goddamn thing and he's one of the best parts of the movie. Uh, but yeah, it opens up. There's a big fucking bonfire. People are wearing Reese's peanut butter cup shirts, which I always like. <laughs> um, yeah. You love it. It's good. Reese Peanut Butter Cups are mm -hmm. great. Also, people yeah. in the '80s wore all kinds of stupid fucking logo shirts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when not anymore. Well, people in the well, not these days. You don't see also people wearing T-shirts for like truck stops and weird taverns and things like that. Which that's another thing this movie gets absolutely correct. Where half the half the cast members are wearing shirts for like Dave's Dixie Tavern, home of the butt mm. fart soup. Or some kind of shit like that, yeah. Oh, I missed the butt fart oh, soup. Butt fart soup. Mm. Well, it's, it's August 18, 1981, 5.57 a.m. It's the last day of camp. And there's tons of children messing around with other children in the girls' bunks. Oh, is that what's going on? Yeah. Oh, and then they real, I didn't They realize that. what time it is and all the boys scatter. I'm watching it now, too, to and it's bunks. also funny because everyone's wearing tracksuits and hoodies, which are all weight. That's that's not 1981 gear. That is 2001 gear. And there's one or two other things from this movie where they did not even try to cover up the 2001 nature of what it was that they were filming, but we'll get to that. But, mm. yeah, I Great. I had no con. Okay, that I t for some reason, I totally did not pick up on that. Mm, Janine Garofalo sitting on a porch. Sipping coffee with one of the it's other people in this movie who's not famous. Yeah, with just saying you're not supposed to be out of your bunks. Oh, yeah. You're all in trouble. Oh, and we should point out this is supposed to be the last day of uh, camp for this place, Camp Firewood. I did. I said August 18th, 1981, 5:57 a.m. Last. Oh, okay. Camp. I just want to highlight that because she doesn't care because she's supposed to be keeping everyone for fucking all these 12 year olds for fucking, <laughs> but she don't care. She just got a coffee and she's just like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. People is waking up. Uh, Niles Crane is the next door neighbor <laughs> to the camp, I guess. Yeah. Or he lives on the campsite, apparently. Does he live on the campsite? I just assume he lives. <laughs> seems like it. I mean, that's I, usually these camps are huge and yeah. like encompass a giant area, but his house is just. I right mean, the there. way it is arranged, Janine Garofalo is sitting on the front deck of her like cabin director cabin, and he is literally twenty feet away. Like, yeah. yeah. If he doesn't live on the campsite, then the border between his property um, and the camps yeah. like cuts halfway through the camp. Yeah. Bill. Before I start naming characters, do you remember anybody's character name in this movie? Oh hell no! <laughs> was uh, we got? I, I know I, well, it's Janine Garofalo, Frazier's brother, Law and uh, Order. Well, I'm not saying Rocket that. I'm saying the characters. Oh hell, they, the characters they, they barely even mention the characters' own names. I think the only one that really gets mentioned is Abby, just because the one guy he's trying to run back into town to fuck her. And he's just like, Abby, you, I'm coming Phil, for you. Who's Beth? Beth? Yeah. Who the fuck is Beth? That's Janine Crawford. That's right, okay, yeah. I'm like, what's, what 
what's Fraser? Fraser's Who's... brother's name? It's Professor something. Henry. Uh, Henry. Oh, okay. It's yeah. Henry. Um, Who's Coop? Not Bradley Cooper. <laughs> it's Michael Showalter. Which one's Michael Show? Who's Ben? This is the other problem here, though. Okay, this introduces a whole new other issue when it comes to Bill Murray <laughs> talking about this movie. Half of this. Michael Showalter is the main half guy. Half of the state is in this movie. He's Coop. And half of the state, I made this, this is something I joked about on Twitter, but to me, this, all the dudes from the state are like gremlins, in which I never remember any of their names, but all I know is they're a bunch of goofy looking motherfuckers. And it's just, every time I see one of the guys from the state, it's just, oh, it's that guy from the state. And now we've got like six guys from the state, and aside from Joe Latruglu, who only know because he's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, everyone else is the guy from the state. So we're going to have some problems in terms of nomenclature here, because I don't know the characters' names. And all I know is half the cast is from the state. So it's going to be like state guy uh, number one, state guy. There's going to be tall guy from the state. There's going to be the other guy from the state. <laughs> there's going to be. Bill. A... Bill. Who's Victor? What the fuck is Victor? <laughs> Did they even say the name? I don't. I think. I think Law and Order is Gene. Yeah. Yeah. You got that one. You got one. <laughs> and that's. Oh, and I know uh, for some reason I remember they refer to Elizabeth Banks as Lindsay. Um, and that's <laughs> it. That's that. the only like that's the only time I ever remember who's, anyone even saying anyone else's name in this movie. Who's Andy? Andy? Is that yeah. the fat kid who's not bathing? <laughs> no. Okay. Who's who's Andy? That's um uh Ant Man. Oh, that's a Ant Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, what a piece of shit this movie fucking power. <laughs> okay, so yeah, anyway. Anyway, yeah. Uh I forgot Ant Man over... was in this fucking movie. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> voiceover radio kid talks about stuff he's how he's sad that the radio station is going to shut down wcfw bethesda chevy chase area can hear him all winter long on jewish day school radio 89.9 fm which is hey it's, it's all classical channel and you hear important oh yeah Oregon. uh it's weird too because yeah. he's talking about the chevy chase maryland area but then they, they, they later talk about how this camp is in maine I don't know what he's talking about, the Chevy Chase, Maryland area, unless that's where he's from, because that's in Maryland, the Chevy Chase, Maryland. That's a whole like that's like it's like 400 miles away. So mm. and also it's weird, too, because I it's interesting how the kid on the radio, you think this is going to be kind of like a narrative structure thing that's going to last throughout the entire film. He's only in the movie, like in two bits, really, in terms of like, oh, somebody fell down upstairs uh, in terms of like, yeah, there's like this scene and maybe one other. And then later on, you find out that his radio, this kid's been doing this radio show, but he's not connected to anything. And so uh -huh. I'm assuming that, like, this is, like, no one else in the world can actually hear this radio station. This kid's been sequestered into this radio booth because well, he's stinky, I guess? Is that the well, insinuation? Gotta, uh, I mean, I'm jumping forward yeah, here. Well, bit, but. I, he's, he's just that kind. He's just that kid, you know? There's This movie has... That kid, that one kid, that one stinky kid. Well, that I wasn't one quite sure if his thing was like kid. he didn't want. To, and you know, yeah. I thought the thing was the most. Yeah, go ahead. The most accurate thing this movie does is you never see the weirdo, uh, super reclusive artistic kids. <laughs> yeah. You do see the the quote unquote indoor. Kids. They're just hidden away. But yeah, they're just hidden away. But I thought, and I didn't say autistic. I said no. Artistic. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, but I thought that the joke with the radio kid was going to turn out he didn't want to take a bath because he doesn't want to get naked because it's public showers with everyone else. It's not even that. It just mm. you find out that he just doesn't want to take a shower just because he doesn't. He just doesn't want to take a shower. And but the second yeah. time that what's his face the state guy 
Snake guy number four comes in and tells him to take a bath. He's like, okay, I'll do it. And the camera pans down and you find out his girl's not actually attached to anything. And they totally never address that again in the rest of the film, so I just assumed that, like, because he's a stinky boy and everyone hates being around him, presumably because he's so stinky, I just assumed that they just gave him this radio station job and he doesn't realize he's not broadcasting out to yeah. anybody. Is that what's going on? Maybe. I missed... My computer kind of froze there, and I started saying, oh, oh a bunch, so I missed some of what you said. <laughs> okay. Wow. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This... You're thinking too yeah, much yeah, about yeah. it. It's, as long as the audience can it's, hear me. It's okay, a, I'm going to shut up joke, The joke is that his radio is not hooked up. That's just it's just the joke they wanted okay. to make. But you never hear him again after the reveal that his radio is not uh, hooked up again. You never hear him do his radio sh- sh- uh, spiel again. Once that illusion is broken for the audience... Yeah. They never lean on that narrative crutch again with it. I thought it was kind of weirdly interesting. But anyway, he also ahead. says you got to get banging because you don't want to go home without romance and you don't want to have not have somebody to kiss after the talent show that night. Uh, like Paul Rudd and the girl who's who's wait, who kiss with more tongue than should be legal. It is grotesque how much tongue they use. Like they lean into each other for a good like 30. Oh, it's just. Oh, they got, it's like they had to inject their tongues with silicone just for this shot. I've never <laughs> seen tongues that fat and squirmy. <laughs> Bill, what's her name? Uh, oh, God, it's Elfin Lady. She's, she's Gelfling. <laughs> That's, man, oh, Katie? Yeah, you did it. Okay, because I think I only know that because state guy number one is always talking about Katie and how do I date Katie and I want to see Katie's little B-cup titties. Coop. He's a bull cut. Coop. Okay, bowl cut. Yeah, bowl cut state. She comes over and teases him. Is asks him if he likes watching her and Andy make out, and he says no. And she starts picking on him, say how hot he looks, and he, you want be my, Surely you want me to be my like, girlfriend? He's like, it's very funny, it's very funny. She's now knock it off. This close to like sticking a finger down his ass crack and like. <laughs> she, she says she's gonna find him a woman, and she starts to walk away, and he says, I, I want, I, he says he wants her inside him. I love that. That's a re- I, that's because the joke is that's a reversal of what you should probably be saying if mm-hmm. you want to fuck somebody if you're a man. But and she's all yeah. hmm, and he's all hmm, yeah, no, him, hmm, what? And uh, white Afro. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sexy. You're turning me on, Daniel. Yeah, white white Afro dude whose name is. There's white Afro dude. Yeah. Oh, white Afro. Now he. It's a dude with a. It's a white guy with an Afro, not a guy with a white Afro. Oh, I guess yeah. Sure. However you want to look at it. Yeah, his muscle, name is Muscle Dude. What's his? Is it, well, he's he's like State Guy Number Two, right? Yeah, that is his name. Yes, State Guy Number Two. His name. I'm is... not kidding about there being at least four different State Guys in this movie. Yeah, his name's Victor. He's an inconsequential character, so we don't have to More worry about him he... too much. He's just gonna be running around in the woods for most of this movie. Yeah, he asked Coop if he was talking to Casey and or Katie, and decides yeah. that it means she wants to fuck him. Because he's, yeah, he's all about the fucking. Then Beth, aka Jenny Garofalo, talks to Niles Crane, and he's awkward. She's the camp director. He teaches astrophysics. She says, "Ah, space, the final frontier," and he's like, "Well, gotta go." <laughs> I do appreciate how much he just packs up and leaves the conversation <laughs> the moment she makes that joke. Yeah. And it's weird too. Like, go ahead, explain the rest of the scene. And and she asks him a couple times if he'll do some teaching for the last day of camp teach the science nerd kids some shit and he's like no no and she's like oh come on be great you know no and then he screams at her i said no i mean really legitimately screams it's not like he just loses impatience but like 
And, but this is never addressed again. Like, he's, I mean, I know later on he apologizes and says he just has issues with hanging out with kids. Mm. But, like, <laughs> he just seems like a psychopath in this scene. Yeah. Like, it's really weird, and I, I could see if they kind of addressed... Because, you know, he spends, he spends the half of the movie hanging out with uh, the indoor kids, teaching them how to build their Skylab little robot thing or uh, tracking device later on in the film. And I could see if they kind of, like, made, uh, like, gave him a little bit of a character arc by, like, okay, he's hanging out with the kids, now he know, knows how to deal with the kids, he's not going to freak out about like that again. But he seems so completely random how angry he gets at all. Uh, out of the blue, it's so weird. And... This is... <laughs> I kept a tracker for this for this in the movie. The number of times this movie uses the breaking Kerlin Neskar sound effect. Yeah. Which is... If you've ever seen Red Letter Media, there's a whole... Oh, is it Star Trek? A Star Trek Generations review. They talk about how uh, uh, Captain Picard has this uh, ceramic object called the Kerlin Neskar. And it gets fucked up in that movie. And they use a sound effect to show how this thing gets fucked up and broken. And it's the same kind of same canned pottery breaking sound effect that they use in this movie a bazillion yeah. fucking times. I, Three I, times in this opening scene. And it's especially funny because it's every time uh, fucking Fraser Crane's brother throws the trowel down for some reason and makes a pottery breaking sound. Yeah, I, I, the, I, the, the second time I heard that, I was like, that was weird. And then the third time I heard it, I was like, oh, it's a joke. Okay. There, yeah, yeah. Because it happens again, like, towards... Uh, yeah, there's a really random... Um, What's the fucking scream that everyone's tired of that got really cute when they put it in all the movies? Wilhelm. Uh, the Wilhelm screen shows up a little bit later, but, like, that's one of the things about this movie is, yeah, even the sound effects are kind of a joke, which I kind of appreciate, even though, yeah, whatever, but, yeah. So, anyway, he screams at her, and she gets all freaked out, and she just walks away, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Victor, the uh, Afro guy, is in the cafeteria with Coop. <laughs> I can't believe you wrote these characters' names. <laughs> hey, uh... He's finishing his soda, which he throws on the ground, and it makes the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's objects that wouldn't be making that, that sound effect, making that sound effect. Yeah, he sees a girl named Abby and decides that she wants to fuck him. Uh, she's the only berry bush he hasn't pollinated. If you get his meaning. <laughs> you know what? I, this movie could have actually been improved by cutting out Abby and Victor because those these two characters are so inconsequential to anything else that happens in this movie. Hey, I don't know when to bring this up. But so I might as well bring it up now. Um, you don't really figure it out until the very, very end of that movie. Bill, watching this movie, how old were you assuming these characters were supposed to be? Well, this is something that happens earlier in the film because everyone in this movie is like in their mid thirties, mm -hmm. and they're t it's the scene where they're talking about how hey, we should meet up again in t in ten years, and then one of the characters is like, oh. It's one of the state dudes. He's like, oh, we're going to be in our mid-twenties then. There's no reason why we can't all just show up at nine o'clock. Yeah. And I was like, in their mid-twenties? <laughs> like, well, how old are they supposed to be now? Ten years in the future? Like, what? And so I guess everyone in this movie, and this is the headache. I went to, oh, God, I went to TVTropes.com and was looking up stuff about this movie. Is Abby supposed to be, like, 12? I don't know. They were talking about how, because she does kiss, like, a 10-year-old in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they were pointing out how that is actually the least problematic thing she does in this movie, because then she's sleeping with all these guys who, of course, in the movie, they're all, like, 35, but I guess within the fiction of the movie, they're supposed to be, like, 15 or 16. Yeah. But she's supposed to be, like, super young. And <laughs> I think that's supposed to be a joke, but because everyone, I mean, 
the, the joke of everyone being too old for their roles kind of obscures some of the other jokes that are supposed to be happening because the age of the characters are supposed to be the punchline, but because everyone in this movie is like at least minimum 25 and like any kind of age-related jokes, like someone being too young or too old for something just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. So, but how, yeah. So what are you, yeah. Watching this, how old did you think they were? <sighs> how, like what they're supposed to be in the movie? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. All the all the uh, uh, all the kids are supposed to be like twelve or thirteen, and the counselors, I would imagine, are only supposed to be like eighteen. I'm not asking what you think they were supposed to be. I'm asking like you're watching it and you're like, yeah, they're probably this old. Oh, everyone's got to be at least like twenty five, right? Yeah, I, I was assuming they were like employed by the 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 uh, the camp and were like at least nineteen or twenty. Yeah, because you think they would at least be out of. They'd probably be college aged. Yeah. Which makes the most sense because that's how they would have free time during the summer. But they're not like high school where they're so broke they have to work like flipping burgers, but like mm -hmm. they've moved on a little bit so at least Camp Counselor play, pays a little more. And like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 At least all the, all, the, all the kids who get killed in the Friday the 13th movies are all like college aged, it seems. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, anyhow. Uh, <laughs> okay, I thought you had some kind of like little factoid for me. No, that. no, I was just wondering how old you were envisioning these. Except characters for Gene, the Vietnam done. vet cook, who's obviously older than everyone else because he's got he's working on a completely different wavelength than everyone else. Yeah, he's he's uh, he enjoys tormenting the other kitchen worker. I can't remember his <laughs> yeah. name off the top of my head. So th just the other worker, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's uh, uh, trying to intimidate <laughs> him, but not doing a very good job of it. I Jean's tattered little belly shirt. Yeah, there's there's a lot of belly shirts in this movie. Which hey, they they were doing a pretty good job kind of parodying a like 80, early eighties fashion. It's great. Yeah. And this movie really is the freaks and geeks of movies. Where mm. just everyone in this goddamn fucking thing just turned it. I'm I'm still genuinely impressed by how many stars are on this thing. Uh, I, elsewhere in the the cafeteria, a nerd in a makeshift cape. Is trying to get a bunch of girls to join his D and D group one last time. You could be a druid because uh, you have cast a level four charm. Yeah, spell. speaking of freaks and geeks, this is almost like they they yeah. want nothing to do with him and call him a douche, which he says is a hygiene product, and he takes it as a compliment. This is one of those things where I think, like, I almost kind of wonder what the point of the scene is, because, I, I mean, again, this whole movie's made of vignettes. There's no real strong plot that no, everything's going to adhere to. You can't but expect think, scenes to have points. It's just a funny thing they thought of. Yeah, but I think even, like, the, like the indoor, like, this kid could have had a little bit of a character arc if you just had an extra scene or two. Like, like I said, if you cut out, like, the Abby and Vincent stuff and just gave, like, all the characters, like, one extra scene, you could have, you could have given each character a little bit more of, like, a shape to their art, like, some kind of character arc. I mean, it's not like you actually need that well obviously the movie's funny and works without all that stuff yeah. but it could have just used to just an extra just a little bit of finesse and polish would have really made this movie super sing as it is it's just kind of like hey it's just a hangout movie but hey, yeah, yeah. I, anyway. I do wonder how it would have done if they had just gotten like good comedic appropriate aged kids for this role instead that's of like interesting too yeah 30 something i mean People, I mean, this movie wouldn't be so notorious for ha being so star-studded, but but it's actually, same, yeah, the, I'm it's sure the energy would have been different too. And like part of the joke, part of the huge meta joke wouldn't be like, haha, everyone in this movie is like 30 years old, pretending that they're literally half their age. But at the same time, I, it would have maybe been like some of the 80s movies that, like uh, Stand by Me or uh, uh, Monster Squad, that used actual children and 
kids yeah. saw and really attached to. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm ironically enough, it would have probably needed to have been a bigger budget film to like cast uh, so many younger people. Because obviously, this movie was just made by like the state guys and their buddies who would like essentially work for practically free. Yeah. But if you actually had to like get younger kids who like you probably have to work around their very limited. Uh, like, uh, union-mandated schedules and have, like, onset tutors and everything like that. Like, I could see kind of why they, like, that option was kind of never even really an option for this for this production. And, yeah, the movie would have probably been a little more timeless that way, too, and would probably not seem like so much like a parody of 80s movies, but... Mm. It still, yeah, it still works fine. Like, yeah. it's, it's good. But yeah, it would have been interesting if, if it was a bunch of relatively nobodies playing all these roles. Because it's a movie, obviously, obviously would have still worked. It would have just worked on a slightly different way. Yeah. Though, but, yeah. Uh, Beth is eating in there, and sees Henry come in. He asks someone where the sci-fi nerdy <laughs> That's great, yeah. indoor t- kids table it's is. A, it's not until he says the indoor kids, the guy's like, oh, well, they're over there. Yeah. yeah, Bunk 7 or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And he asks them who wants to do science shit on the very last day of camp. And they all raise their hands. They're totes into the shit. <laughs> this is a quick scene of the cook tormenting the other kid cook. and Yeah, he's like playing with f- giant fucking butcher knives and shit. Yeah, demanding to know if they, where they keep the powder something or other. It's in yeah, the pantry. Yeah, some kind of drinks or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. in the pantry right next to his dick cream. What? <laughs> Shut up. Stick team. Stick ball. Shut up. Go away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't keep your dick cream at work. That's just bad form. I do love the relationship between Gene and the other worker, where the other worker is kind of scared of Gene, but not so much he won't still, like, point out what the fuck he just said. It's not like he's like, oh, no, don't hurt me, but it's like, fuck you. <laughs> a little bit about all this stuff, too, which is kind of, oh, yeah. There's a little bit of a give and take there, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, He's a fucking maniac. Just like Christopher Maloney in that beard and the fucking Vietnam uh, fucking bandana. Just like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. He's got the big Christ tattoo on his, on his bicep, and it's it's fantastic. Beth tells Victor, who's the Afro kid, Bale, uh, that him and Neil are going to take the Eagle kids to Moose, Rake, Moose River Lake. She made the promise to them, and he's like, it's the last day of camp. That's not going to work for me. She said, oh, said alright, it's a compromise. You're gonna, the Eagles are gonna go to Boost River and you're gonna take them. He is shocked at having to do his job while still hired to do his job. Although, you know what, if you're a camp counselor, you're probably expecting the last day to be pretty low impact. Everyone's gonna be packing up, getting ready to leave. You'd think you wouldn't have to, like, go on a long fucking like fucking journey upriver or anything like that. Maybe, but. yeah. Aside, I mean, he obviously doesn't care about that, he just wants to fuck, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh... And Amy Poehler, whose name is... Something, something, uptight white lady. <laughs> Her name's Susie. Okay, again, does anyone actually say these characters' names? Yeah, they say so. their names, otherwise I wouldn't really? be able to write them down, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, What's Bradley Cooper's name? Bradley Cooper's... Well, they say that because they get married later. His name is well, Ben. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, they get, a, they get a chase lounge later. They're like, hey, Ben, I forgot about that. Spoilers. But they come in, and despite it being a quote-unquote wet-hot American summer, it is fucking ass-fucking-raining outside. Yeah. I forgot earlier in the earlier scenes, too, with Christopher Maloney as the cook, you could totally see his breath when he's yelling at at his his partner. And this is something I, I watched the making of 
documentary uh, about this movie that's on Netflix. It's called Hurricane of Fun, The Making of Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. And the uh, one big takeaway you get from watching that movie is that it rained for the entire month they filmed this fucking movie, and it was always, like it never got above like 50 degrees, and they were fucking miserable. Yeah. And if you really pay attention, you could just totally see how like in the background everything's kind of a mud trap and characters are walking through like you could see characters like shirts getting darker and wetter as they're like standing outside in some scenes and shit like that and half the times they're filming indoors if you just look out the window you can see it's like torrential downpour outside Mm -hmm. and that's this like the first scene of that but anyway uh fucking uh the straight super straight white people come in and they got clipboards it's it's, yeah super straight uh Susie and Ben super straight I Uh, thought they were gonna be the villains I'm kind of glad they're not yeah there's not really any villain in the movie no, um, yeah. And the uh, only villain is the end of summer. Yeah, she. she the passage of time. Susie t- tells the campers that her and Ben are going to be producing some shit from Godspell for the talent show tonight. Yeah, there's going to be a variety and show at the end of the day. Is yeah. it, isn't it a bit late to be planning that sort of shit? I know, exactly, yeah. I appreciate that this movie sticks the idea that this all takes place within one day. Yeah. And that also means everyone, like, nothing else seems to have happened during this entire summer vacation until this last day, including coming up with basic ideas for the uh, talent show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, she's a typical happy face, but they're probably monsters. Or she's yeah. a monster. And uh, Andy's still making out with Katie. And he's, and he's like scratching his ass. Well, it's funny too because he's kind of making out with her, but while trying to hide her behind a door, and he's scratching his ass. Well, he's a and jerk, and she's like, "I want just... to, I want to see you tonight." And she's like, "Fuck, you suffocated me. Ugh, give me some breathing room." He calls room. her a dyke. Yeah, my... <laughs> then he's like, "I love you." Okay, mm, go away. My butt itches. JJ, send me some waffles. Fuck you, dyke. <laughs> I love you. You're so good to me. It sounds like three different people wrote his d- dialogue for the scene. Like, he sounds like, if you just look at his lines sequentially, it's how he sounds like a schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love Paul Rudd's just total, just fucking dirtbag. Just, he's got this weird smile he does a couple times in the movie that makes it look like he's just developing breast cancer. What? <laughs> like, he's just like, he's Actually, just like no, 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 no. I'm it's... gonna need you to explain. <laughs> It's like he how, just felt a creep how, in. Like how like, developed, how you, developing breast cancer gives he you like this smile. He shows his two teeth and he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. But like, oh, okay. Paul Rudd's the one, he's the one person in this movie kind of handing in a real kind of performance and that he's just working so hard to be such a shithead. It's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, it's funny, because I think the only things I've seen Paul Rudd in were the Ant-Man, was Ant-Man in this, actually. Have you oh, seen... Oh, and, like, the ninth... He was in the Super Nintendo commercial in 1991. Have I you think seen 40-Year-Old Virgin? I don't believe so. Uh, okay. So, um, that maybe... Or Knocked Up. must have been the first big thing he did. Oh, he's actually been a... Well, okay, I've seen him, because I saw Knocked Up. Okay. Okay. Uh, 8.02 a.m. It's... <laughs> More radio kid talking about the, how the talent show is going to be important to the plot. And it's morning activity time. And Michael Ian Black is there. What's his name, Bill? Oh, Clifton. Clifton. His name's McKinley. Well, why's he got a shirt that says Clifton? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's Betty the Tavern. Uh, oh, Betty the Tavern. He's the- Better than, That's actually, that's the shirt being worn by Christopher Maloney's cook, cook. Cook yeah, Martin. he's there with the cook kid and some other dude. I think it's, it's I think it's JJ. Um, yeah. 
And oh, JJ's the, just a fat guy. Yeah, they see that somebody's getting sent home, and they're like, "What happened?" And he's, they're like, "Well, he snuck into the office and recorded himself jerking off." And McKinley, Michael Lee on the back, is like, "Oh, we gotta get that tape." We guys, we gotta get that tape. And nothing ever happens from that. I, I just watching this again. I'm watching it while you're talking about that too. I just realized that that never gets picked up again or anything. Well, like no, that. it's just to kind of be like, hey, he's kind of he might be gay. Are you gonna try? Oh well, yeah. In retrospect, I guess he could could make that assumption. Yeah. But, yeah. And the other dudes tease him, and then they he they, him and JJ get in a slap fight, and then uh, the montage of kids learning guitar, learning to dance. Yeah, this is the closest thing we ever see to this camp working like as it should be. Just a functional camp. Yeah, hiking with shitty 1981 handheld electronics. Uh, nerdy. Which those games were not good enough to like. If you were even stuck out in the wild on a uh, hiking trip, you would probably find the rocks and shit that you're walking over more. You would actually, you'd actually find nature more entertaining and. Well, that's what I'm saying. That that's that's just how bad those games. Even back in the day, it's not even a matter of like, well, you know, they weren't quite as good as Game Boy, but still, and no, they were always shit. Yeah. Like sub, they were worse than fucking Tiger Electronics. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. It just had some lights on them that would move. (laughs) Exactly. They were like little dot LEDs. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it wasn't even, like, the Tiger Electronics actually had, like, like drawn figures that you could, like, at least recognize. Oh, that's supposed to be Simon Belmont, even if it's only two frames of Simon, Simon Belmont whipping a Ninja Turtle. Yeah. And, but at least it was recognizable, but, yeah. And Molly Shannon. What's her name, Bill? Uh, I couldn't even remember her name as Molly Shannon, because I was not <laughs> that much of a fan of the era of Saturday Night Live that she was part of, mm. until I looked her up and I was like, oh, that's the armpit lady. Mm. Uh, I, man... They must say her name because they say her, her name thing quite this, a bit. I was gonna say because she's talking to the kids and oh, I cannot fuck yeah, fuck if I know. Her name's Gail. Okay. She's teaching arts and crafts and talk about character arc. She actually is one of the few characters in this movie with the character arc. And uh, one of the kids points out she's still wearing her wedding ring and she's emotionally unstable. And okay, this character has to be like in her mid forties because Molly Shannon looks like in her mid forties. She... She's even whole her her. her her old story makes only I think makes she sense. Says she's she's like, thirty-four, or something like that. Yeah, because I could see she would even within the canon, the text of the film, she would be one of the older people. Uh, she says that they are all gonna have crayons, but there's only one crayon, and one of the girls is like, "Why don't we use the colored pencil pens? There's like thousands of those, and there's only one crayon." And she breaks down and cries. She's she's a basket case. The kids are all just like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, Abby is a character, another girl. Abby the brown girl. <laughs> Abby the brown girl, everyone wants to fuck for no reason. Again, this is one of those things, too, because you think Abby is, one again, one of the few characters in the whole whole movie. Like, you've never seen her again and everything else. I'm surprised this isn't, like, Natalie Portman or, <laughs> like, fuck. Who would have been popular? Well, no, it's not even matter who would have been popular in 2001. Who would be popular now? I'm surprised this isn't, like, Kate from Lost or, like, fucking... That's a timely a reference. Yeah, well, she was an Ant-Man and the Wasp, so she mm. sadly, could she come back, but, like, this could have been a Kate Middleton or something. Uh, she sees Victor loading up the van. He, she asks for a stick of gum. He's like, oh, I thought you'd never ask. And uh, it was in 1981, when you ask somebody for gum, does that mean you want to make out with them? Yeah, well, that's what the commercials made it look like what yeah. happened if you bought gum. And it's what they do. And, and... Yeah. He says he has to go out to the lake and he can't bang her. 
As she grabs his dick and lifts him like five feet into the air. So he'll, oh, yeah. he'll come back most, that night. He's obviously like on a forklift. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the weirdest like special effect in the movie. And then uh he, Oh god. What this is one of the most unattractive couples I've seen in a movie in a long time. Between his weird like fucking white dude fro and she's painted brown and like it's just ugh. And then uh the DJ, a.k.a. the beekeeper, a.k.a. Artie. His name's Artie, apparently. That's one of the few names I didn't remember. I just have it written down, otherwise I won't remember. Well, he also says a name a whole bunch, yeah. yeah. He's uh, broadcasting, and McKinley uh, comes in and is like... Clifton. Hey, you, you need to take a shower. He's like, okay. Cause <laughs> is this the first time this happens? Yeah. Yeah, you haven't bathed all summer. You need a shower. Okay. Your parents are going to be here tomorrow. I don't want to get in trouble because you stink. Okay. And you're covered in dirt. Go shower. And, uh, then... It's not a particularly funny scene. But no, again, it's, it's... I thought the punchline was going to be that he just doesn't want to bathe because he's fat and he just doesn't want to bathe with other kids, which that is a situation I've been in before. No, it's just... Uh, aside from it... just being a naturally stinky fat man. But There's there's just that... There's always that... As somebody who's worked with teenagers, there's, a, and there's always that one kid oh, that yeah. just stinks no. to high yeah, hell and doesn't want to bathe. Yeah. Uh... And then a bunch of the counselors are saying how they're really going to miss this place once the summer's over, and then... Yeah, they're hanging out on Beth's, uh, like, the, the director's office. There's a big yeah. thing of, of... One of the details I really like in this movie is that there's a giant jug of sun tea that's cooking on the porch, which mm. I really appreciate in, like, a super fucking 70s-ass sun tea jug, which I was like, yeah, that that is, that is an air-appropriate detail I really appreciate, mm. but... Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, like pretty much all the main characters come up in this scene. Yeah, and Ben decides that in ten years they'll meet here again, so they could see what kind of people they've turned into. And how about at nine, and that way they could be there by nine thirty, or they could just be there <laughs> by nine thirty. They'll be in their mid twenties. So why is it where they gotta be? So it's the stupidest fucking argument. How like the, everyone's being really kind of like just fucking petty about like okay nine o'clock well if, if we want to be here by 9 30 we should meet up at nine because then we got to get here then fucking clifton is all like why don't we just make it nine if if we're all in our mid-20s we could make it so like we can guarantee that we'd be here by nine what is everyone else a bunch of fucking jerks or something like that and everyone's like okay we can do that yeah so so 9 30 in 10 years because but McKinley has something at 11, so... <laughs> like, there's no joke. It's just like, it was like, yeah, and I've had to move it twice. Yeah. And that's just the end of the scene. It's just kind of, okay. 930? That's Michael, that, that is the state all over, where there's no punchline. It's just someone saying something ridiculous, and that's the end of the scene. Yeah. 9.35 a.m. Nerdy kids are being nerdy with the nerdy guy. He says... He's, he's, he looks up at the sky, and one of the kids is like, "Oh, what you looking at? Is there something up there?" And he's like, "Ah, there's nothing to worry about up there." Oh, I didn't get Yet. that because that's like they're laying in track for the Skylab bit. I uh, get it. Oh, boom, boom. Uh, what will happen? Andy is the only one left in the cafeteria. He's eating some food off the plate. And then <laughs> Fucking poor hood. He's he he finishes it and slaps the plate on the floor, sending his food and shit flying everywhere, and knocks over what his I chair. When I have power fantasies of acting like a fat jerk. <laughs> I mean, I'm already a fat jerk, but just being, like, abrasive to the point where I'm trying to trick someone into shooting me. This is exactly how I act, where I'm just like, I have breakfast, and I just slap what when I'm done. I just slap all the food onto the floor, and just, like, act like everything's so tough when someone t tells me to clean it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Beth is there, uh, sees him do it, and is like, hey, clean it up. And he's like, but I got, I got stuff. And she's like, clean it up now. 
And Paul Rudd does a fucking amazing job of acting like a shitty teenager who has to do something they don't want to do yeah. and does a real shit job doing it. Lots of... Oh, it ugh. takes him five minutes to pick up the plate, then he eventually picks up the fork and, like, maybe the cup and then drops the cup and has to go, like, chasing after the cup. Mm-hmm. And then acts like that was a Herculean effort. And he has to huff and puff. Mm-hmm. And then he has to throw himself over to the other thing to, like, whip the fork into, like, the... the the uh the silverware uh drawer and just like it's the most just like it doesn't it's not like him even him being petulant it's like he's got emotional problems yeah it's great i love it it's like how did he get hired <laughs> is he actually like one of the because do we actually see him do anything with responsibilities because yes think he's just uh, yeah we out. sure do bill is he one of the counselors yeah okay how <laughs> the fuck like, he's, of all the people in this movie, you wonder how the fuck he ever got hired. Yeah. Oh, what's fucking great, though, yeah. You can totally see why uh, he became a star with the Ap- Apatow films, but Jesus Christ. Uh, Gail's still crying and having a therapy session with the Arts and Crafts kids. That's, oh, yeah. that's Oh, man, that's did you happening. ever see the Richard Pryor movie, The Toy? No. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now that's why that's well that's why I asked instead of just assumed. The main kid in the toy who buys Richard Pryor, which <laughs> and makes you just explain why I have not seen the toy. It's a problematic quote unquote <laughs> capital P film. Uh, the main kid, the main little rich kid, who's play, he's like Jackie Gleason's grandson in that movie. He buys Richard Pryor. That kid looks exactly like the main kid in this help group with uh gail to the point i had to look it up to make sure like this isn't that kid's son or grandson because it looks exactly it's like you put him in a time machine and he just came forward like the the, like the only two movies on his imdb resume would be the toy and like 1981 in this movie but yeah but gail's yeah still like it's 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 turned from her just freaking out to an actual heart to heart with all the kids yeah in the arts and crafts room Elsewhere, Beth is doling out stuff for the counselors to do, cleaning up goat shit in the infirmary, setting up the Betamax so Bunk 8 can watch the China Syndrome again. <laughs> There's just, yeah, this is where the movie starts getting a little more ridiculous in I terms thought, of, like, I yeah. thought there was going to be a joke there, like, it wasn't actually China Syndrome they were watching, it turned out they had recorded porn over it or something, but no. 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 I just like the fact that they need a counselor to come in and run the Betamax machine. Yeah. Like, the kids would know, especially if they've watched the, the China Syndrome that often, you'd think they would just figure it out for themselves. Uh, Is this the thing where she also mentioned that someone needs to go rescue the kids up on the rope course? Yeah, they've been stuck there since yesterday, but she's just... <laughs> <Like> since yesterday? <laughs> like, that's... Like, this is the first part of the movie where the, the reality of this world starts to get a little wibbly a little bit in yeah. terms of, like... Yeah, it's not just a loving parody of, like, old movies, but, like... These people are gen- genuinely bad people. And after tonight is the big talent show, they have so they have a lot of work ahead of them, and they just all start leaving. And oh yeah, everyone uh, just hauls ass out of there. Yeah, and then some weird dude is playing with dirt. McKinley comes up and asks what he's doing, and he says in a robot voice, "He's not allowed to talk to Earthlings, JJ and McKinley." And then he runs off. Yeah, I guess he's a camp weirdo. He's he's one of the kids, but he's played by an actor who's like again, he's like twenty five. Yeah. And so he almost just seems like he's like a mentally disabled, like, you know, counselor, but no. Yeah. I guess he's just one of the older one of the kids, yeah. Yeah. This is the weirdest Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. 
Beth and Katie, uh, Beth asks Katie for advice on being pretty. Oh, this is cute. Pants, maybe? Clean pants? <laughs> Doing clean hair? Which is all baffling. And then Katie guesses she has a crush Moose? on someone, but she says she does. And it's ridiculous Katie's that Jane Garofalo doesn't up. know what Moose is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. How new was Moose in the 80s? In 1981, maybe a little bit. It's not like Moose was invented in, like, 1979. But, yeah, I can see that, like... I remember Moose being a big thing to, like, the mid-later... Well, especially when hair... Teased hair and everything became more of a thing. Yeah. Which is funny, because that Kate would even recommend Moose. Because she's obviously not, like, using Moose in her hair. She's got, like, the supernatural 80s hair. But, like, yeah. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, she recognizes that Beth's got a crush on someone. She starts teasing her. So, elsewhere... Andy and JJ are watching kids swim. Uh, so there's your answer of what Andy does. They they trust him with the oh, lives of the right, children. that's right, yeah. And of course, he's not actually doing anything. He's just sleeping. Yeah, well, he let he does let a child take a motorboat out and <laughs> drive it around the lake. See, this is, uh, this is the kind of shit that happens all throughout One Crazy Summer. <laughs> this is like where you just have a kid on a motorboat just allowed to free reign. And this is the shit I love, yeah. And so the kid, he just hops the boat and <laughs> hauls away. And then suddenly Elizabeth Banks shows up being all fucking half-naked and shit. Well, uh, hold up. There's a babe. It's Lindsay. Andy wants yeah. to bang her. JJ asks, what about Katie? He says, who? And they give each other a lazy high-five before JJ walks off the end of the floating pier they're on. And then... And then fucking Paul Rudd makes this weird fucking fart face and gives, like... <laughs> The people in the water are finger. It's like a weird outtake that the left of the movie because I don't know what he's supposed to be doing that to, but it's just him just being again just being a fucking diarrhea man <laughs> for no particular reason. It's yeah, great. well, that's his character. Yeah, diarrhea yeah. man. And uh, Lindsay comes out to the pier and climbs up, and she's asked what he's writing on because he's writing on a, a book, and he says he's writing on his journal, and he, it's where he writes his thoughts. Writes in it every day, and she's like, "Oh, I don't know if he's journal? stolen you JJ's mean... journal and is pretending to be smart just in front of her, but like it works. They start making out. Well, she's like, "You mean journal?" And he's like, "Whatever. Guess I'm not smart like you." <laughs> just and the it... fact that he does. I don't know if he doesn't know basic English or he's pretending not to know basic basic English just to suck her in. And but it's still pretty funny. She wants to look at it, but he says only three people are allowed to look at it: me, myself, and I. But she wants him to share it, and she sticks her tongue in his ear as the kid on the boat goes flying by with his arms a-flailing. It's great. Uh, elsewhere, uh, Katie's hanging out with Coop, and they're going let down a list of girls he could date at the camp, I guess. Some are sluts, They're randomly hanging but... out, despite the fact that, like, they've never talked before this morning. Now they're, like, hanging well, out with friends. She said he was gonna find, she was gonna find oh, him a girl. Oh, I forgot that, like, she promised. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And some of them are sluts, but not the right kinds of sluts. And uh, he makes jokes. She finds it charming. So... There is a nice moment where they joke about Italy and she kind of smiles back and you realize she actually is kind of crushing on him back. Mm -hmm. It's actually, there's just a little genuine, a little bit of like, it's nicely executed. This, like, I, I like it when a movie that uh, specializes in fucking batshit comedy can still find the nice little moments of humanity where like, it's not like someone has to come out and say, oh, she's in love with him, but just like her reaction. And then it's just a nicely put together little thing. Nice little mm -hmm. bit of humanity. Uh, but he has to leave to go clean up that goat shit. <laughs> that, that that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and the dock or pier, Andy's still making out with Lindsay. When the kid on the boat comes back, he tries to jump onto the dock, but he misses. 
he can't swim and yells at Andy to stop making out and help him. He's just being an asshole. And, yeah, uh, Andy just accuses him of being a faker and he drowns. Yep. <laughs> he just flat out fucking drowns. Yep. And, uh, who let this kid by the water? He can't swim. Or better question, who, who let Andy be employed here? God, the tongue action between Elizabeth Banks and fucking Paul Rudd is just... Oh, and, God. But Andy's like, ah, he's fine. The kid vanishes <laughs> under the water. And it, it sounds much darker than it is, kind of. No, the movie, like, I, like the the way the movie executes it, you're not even quite sure if he's actually dead or what. Yeah. But like he's, but you never see him again. And then old Nerdo is doing science shit with the nerds, and Beth comes up with her hair and makeup all did up. Kind it of. It looks like she just like like whipped her hair and said side to side and just left her hair that way. Yeah. yeah. In a way that it only works in cute, the eighties. Yeah. And of course, Henry, you know, the, the science guys are like, oh, I love what you did to your hair. Mm -hmm. And they go off and even though the, they, they kind of leave the science class alone, they're just kind of well, flirting for a little bit. She says he, she's a big fan of astrophysics and he asks her who's her favorite astrophysicist is. And, <laughs> oh, that's and do right. do people like really lie like that in real life? Like, that's... Uh, I, like, I, if I knew nothing that happens. If I knew nothing about uh, Back to the Future and you were like, one of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. And I was like, oh man, I love Back to the Future. I've seen it a thousand times. And you were like, oh yeah, what's your favorite scene? Why would you do that? That's the Well, that's that when you're caught in that lie, that's when you turn it around and like when he, he when he fucks the butt or something like that. And then you point <laughs> out a joke like, I've never seen it before. Like once you realize that you're caught, that's how you, that's how you take the opportunity to take the joke, make the joke kind of like uh, break the ice a little bit. But mm. yeah, it's that, that is the fake thing that always happens in movies like this where like someone gets trapped and they can't make their way out. And you know, like the, a joke will break any ice, but like no one can ever think about a joke. It's always like, Oh, uh, uh, I'll have to go look it up in my local library. I'll talk to you later, and they run away. And well, she it. hems and like, haws. Oh, man. Yeah. And asks him what time it is. He looks at the sky and says it's 9.30. And she says, oh, I'm late. And scoots on out of there. And then back at the lake, one of the kids asks Andy where his swimming buddy is. He's gonna tell Beth that he let his swimming buddy drown. So Andy tells Lindsay he needs like 20 minutes to talk to the kid. Which is him driving the kid to a pizza party, but not really driving to a pizza party. He's just driving the van and kicks the kid out onto the side of the road in and out of the moving car. It. And that kid, I'm watching this right now, and that kid actually does a pretty good stunt. Yeah. And that kid, that is obviously small enough. That is not an adult, unless yeah. it's a very small woman dressed like the little kid. They, they, yeah, they, they, they chuck that kid into a muddy hillside, <laughs> and he rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, elsewhere, uh, both... Beth and Henry are looking, uh, asking one of the other older director ladies. I don't know. If she, I don't know her name. Uh, it's like Beth's assistant that yeah. only exists for like for. for uh, so Beth has someone we to see, talk to in the opening see her scene in and for this scene and that later. So maybe she's a nurse. Yeah, or something like. You actually, that probably makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, both Henry and Beth ask like. She's guarding books, the sun tea bucket. Books on astrophysics. Books on camp directors. And she's like, go to the library, library. And uh, Beth is so Beth gets in her big old nasty ass truck to go into town, and one of the other ladies <laughs> runs up in a panic. <laughs> She's like, Beth, Beth. <laughs> I figured it was about all the dead children that were showing up at the camp all of a sudden. But then she's Seriously, like, Seriously, yeah. Beth, I need you to go to the drugstore. My husband's coming in tonight. I need some lube for my pussy. <laughs> But so Beth just drives off. <laughs> and the best thing, there hasn't been anything 
anything really raunchy in this movie yet, but the way she said that, it's just, you, it's, the easiest way to murder a joke is to explain it, but yeah. it's just fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just, for my pussy. <laughs> oh, God, I fucking love it, yeah. yeah. And then everyone, well, well, like, they're having this conversation, and all the other camp counselors take advantage of the fact that the truck is stopped to jump into the back, too, so everyone can go to town. Mm-hmm. It's a very lax and thus, summer And thus the highlight of the film happens. It's montage of town time. Yeah. Beth and... Everyone, they're in downtown Waterville, Maine, which mm-hmm. seems to be, like, two, two fucking, uh... Uh, stoplights big but it's downtown according to them uh, the entire city is filled with 2001 era vehicles that the movie <laughs> takes absolutely no attempt to hide or anything like that <laughs> nice it's it's yeah there's no attempt to make this look like anything like like fucking uh, 20th century shit going on here. yeah Beth is at the library looking at an astrophysics section which is right next to the camp directing section <laughs> of course uh, and then drink- this, it's, it, this is when the movie starts turning into a goddamn Simpsons or Futurama cartoon. Yeah, and then the camp counselors are drinking, smoking, cocaine, mugging old ladies. Well, I love they go into the alley to buy some cocaine, and fucking the hot lady, Natalie, she just rubs her face in this, like, $5,000 baggie. I can't even <laughs> call it a baggie, because it's a brick of cocaine. It's, like, five pounds of coke. Rubs her face in it, and then they just buy it for, like, $5 and run away. And, yeah, then they mug an old lady, and, like, she's, like, got, like, library books or something like that, but they beat the shit out of her and steal her stuff. Yeah, and then, then another... <laughs> They're in a drug house. This is the best, the fucking smack den. Shooting heroin, getting strung out. Yeah, Amy Poehler is just like, she's got like warts all over her face and she's trying to lick another dude's face. Michael Showalter is just like, he's got the rubber bands and it's just, the whole thing is, it's, it's like they suddenly jumped into a whole nother movie for, for uh, two and a half minutes. It's fantastic. Yeah, Janine Garofalo's in the corner just twitching. She's like, lick, like she looks like she's about to lick an electrical socket. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then they come back and then they're like, they come back to camp and back in the truck, they're like, that's the best hour we ever had! Bad Albert will return after these messages. Take a trip back to 1981 with the special people who made summer camp unforgettable. You guys aren't supposed to be out of your bunks. You're in trouble. The camp director. Four campers are stuck in the ropes course. I meant to tell you about that yesterday. Could you get to it now? The counselors. Wait for me, Abby Bernstein. Wait for me, my darling. Wait, wait, wait. I just want to take off my shirt. The kitchen staff. Finish up the taters. I'm going to go fondle my sweaters. Come on, what? You said you were going to go fondle your sweaters. No, I didn't. The water sports. Hey, Andy, can I take out the Barbie bus? Sure. The nature hikes. Out! Out! And of course, who can forget the sacks, the muggings, the cover-ups, the malaria, the psychotherapy. Hello. And the friendships <laughs> that last a lifetime. We want you to be the guest of honor at our wedding next week. From USA Films. <laughs> and creators of TV's The State. A renegade piece of Skylab heading right for the camp. Oh my god. It could kill us all. Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce, Paul Rudd, Christopher Maloney, and Molly Shannon. Andy, have you seen my swimming buddy? I was busy. It's your job to make sure kids don't drown. Um... Where are we going? To a big secret pizza party. 
wet, hot American summer. And now, back to Fat Albert. And then Coop says, uh, see you later, baby, to Katie. And she smiles and runs off, and he swoons and tells everybody, wait up for me, and, and joins them, where they're all just standing face first right up against the building, and he he also runs up and just stands against it. <laughs> I never got that. That's okay. Oh, man. And suddenly cuts to Victor in the, in the van. Uh, and they just, I didn't realize, they drive past a pretty pretty choice bit of roadkill in that shot, mm. too. There's a fucking flattened raccoon they drive past. And, but, yeah, I didn't catch the fact that everyone's lined up against the uh, the, the Walt Blair Wish yeah. style, right, in the scene before this. Yeah, in the car, Victor freaking out because he miss, might miss his chance to get with Abby, and Neil tells him not to freak out. Victor confides in him that he's a virgin and there's no worse sin in the 80s so neil calls him a loser being a virgin big old loser Uh a huge loser 11 a.m uh the gene the cook is is watching the other kid peel potatoes and tell him he's gonna go fondle sweaters and i don't it doesn't you know this guy wouldn't get nearly half as much trouble if he wasn't going out of his way to fucking fuck with his partner yeah. with his cooking partner because that's what all the shit happens to him when he's threatening the guy and then he's then he lets loose a little bit of shit and then yeah he has to walk it back but I, it doesn't look like it in the other scenes but his beard in this scene in particular looks fake as fuck in the making of uh, documentary on Netflix, the Hurricane of Fun thing, it's really weird because they show uh, they're filming what is supposed to be Christopher Maloney's last scene of the film, and it's him wa- running towards the camera outside, but he's got like this fucking like Captain Hook goatee that he doesn't wear anywhere because in the whole movie he's supposed to be like you know he's got a beard, yeah. and so I don't know if there's something like maybe they. There was a scene like he he shaved, and so for continuity they had to come back and refilm this with like a fake beard or something like that. But yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. I yeah, so I don't know what happened. Mm. But yeah. and uh, after he lives leaves, the cook kid picks up a can of vegetables and says, "Maybe you should talk to him." <laughs> and so, in retrospect, that's that's funnier because yeah. yeah Elsewhere, the, the DJ beekeeper kid still hasn't showered, and also we see now that none of his stuff is hooked up. Yeah, this is essentially last, yeah, the fucking, uh, what's-his-face comes up and says, hey, you haven't showered yet, and he's like, oh, yeah, I will shower. And that, yeah, that's when it pans out, you find out his shit, yeah, exactly what you said, that his shit's not hooked up. And that's the last time you see him inside the, uh... Uh, the, the the radio station. You don't see him again until the end of the movie where they like forcibly grab him yeah. and throw him in the shower, but that's it. It's the weirdest arc for that character. Mm-hmm. Gail's still getting a talking to from her kids. Well, one kid, the boy, uh, who yeah. says his his what gender f- sure can be schmucks, and she says she's 34 years old and is afraid she won't meet anybody, and he comes over and massages her back, and she says, oh, your fingers are magic. <laughs> you magic hands! <laughs> And I just love that how his character is totally written as someone who's age appropriate for like it's a thirty four year old like very sensitive like thirty year old man talking to her, and the fact that she's tw- telling this twelve year old that he has magic hands, I was like, oh no, they're really going here with this, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it, it, it's it's pretty cute. So uh, 
Elsewhere, Victor kicks everybody out of the van once the kids arrive at the river. Yeah, they finally get the Moose Park, and he just, like, yeah, does the bare minimum just to throw them out of the van. And, and Joe Latrugula is, what's going he's on? He's gotta get back to, to get some Abby, so he dumps everyone off. Neil says, you're making a big mistake! A big mistake! And then in the next scene, he's singing in his car, it screams, Oh, fuck! It just straight up crashes into a tree. There's nothing setting up or anything like that. It's just completely random, yeah. which uh, in the making of documentary, they showed them doing the stunt and it was just, there's no real stunt. They just had a guy just crash into a tree yeah. and that's it. There's no like safety precautions or anything because this is like a super low budget movie, mm-hmm. but yeah. And in Abby's bunk, the kid knocks on her door. He's like, oh, hey, I thought this was a, a different There bunk. is a nice little bit of a uh, uh, little cutaway where uh, the song playing on her radio is the same song that Victor was just singing right before he crashed. Yeah. So the insinuation that like maybe she's waiting for Victor, like you know, just like some kind of weird, just like anyway. But yeah, so the other, yeah, the the, the assistant cook guy shows and up and they share some gum and then they make out. Victor's gonna run all the way back in his flip flops. Oh, this is the first scene they shot. For the I don't like the thought of making out with somebody when you each have gum in your mouth. This is. I mean, I guess you're already sp- swapping spit and licking each other's tongues and stuff, but yeah, that is an added extra. Ugh, yeah. I mean, the gum absorbs spit and is yeah, all Yeah, when I was yeah, a it's kid, not like... when I was a little kid, and gum, I couldn't get gum whenever I wanted. I would stick it on the bedpost and then chew it again the next day. What the fuck? Kids are gross. You actually did yeah. that? Yeah. I thought they only did that in songs about, like, <laughs> on the bedpost overnight. I, I, no, uh, what? No. Damn it, me. If I could go back in time and I say, mean, gum do is that. good. Don't do that. No. Gum's like 39 cents. Do a chore. Earn some money. Fuck. Mm. Yeah, I guess when you're a kid, when you're, you don't have much cash, like, gum is, like, one of your first, like, real experiences with, like, unless you're buying comic books or other kinds of candy, that is, like, your first, like, purchase, dis- like, uh, d- purchase uh, making decisions is, like, uh, how much gum can I get with this, or, well, gum, because candy, you know, candy's only gonna last very brief while, whereas gum is kind of an investment when you're a kid. Yeah, and you can blow this bubbles like with shitty it. shitty Seinfeld routine. <laughs> but, like, because, yeah, well, you could spend... Well, it is a toy because you could blow bubbles with it. But, like, yeah, it lasts for a while. Unless Whereas, you, like, a pack of now and laters... Well, I guess now and laters, they're designed to last for Unless you, I'm, you accidentally... I'm destroying my own unless argument. Unless you accidentally buy that one pack of gum that you can't blow bubbles with for some reason. Oh, like fucking Double Mint yeah. or some, that kind of gum that's not, like, for blowing bubbles. It's just, like, fucking adult chewing gum. Yeah, what gum. the fuck yeah, is that? Ugh. So anyway, uh, the only real gum is the gum that's made out of half rubber. Yeah, so perfect for bubbles. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the kids are on the raft now with uh, Neil, and say Victor is the only one that can navigate the rapids. So Neil's like, he okay, I'll go get him, and he jumps off the boat, grabs a motorcycle from a nearby camp, and uh, yeah, I love that. Like, like there just happens to be a camp with a motorcycle right where he just happens to get yeah. off the, the 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 raft. Yeah. And then a chase scene happens with Victor just outrunning this motorcycle. 
And this again, this is another spot where the movie kind of like the the reality, the fa- the fabric of this movie starts to kind of weaken a little. Are bit. you saying that because uh, where... there's a small hay bale in the middle of the road that Victor jumps well, over and then, but it stops Neil from proceeding? How they shoot Lo- Joe Latruglio almost catching up to the to the other guy and kind of like almost grabbing him, but he's obviously like they're not even in the same shot. And actually, when they cut to the other guy and he's looking behind him, Joe Latruglio is not even there so it's like it's like two different shots filmed on completely different days in completely different locations but yeah then there's a whole hay barrel thing which they turn victor in jumping over into like a big action shot where it's slow motion jumps over it and then of course joe latruglio comes up on it and he has to stop even though it's a tiny little hay bay hail a hail the, the whole you know the whole advantage of having a motorcycle is that you could easily go around either side <laughs> but no he can't and then he's all like no i'm gonna get you <laughs> you got me now and then victor just keeps on running down the road yeah. and yeah and then elsewhere uh the cook it's like a mentos commercial because <laughs> then joe latruglio is all like uh i'll get you later but mm-hmm. yeah oh god this is the cook <laughs> this scene the cook okay kid, yeah. jj the sexy and, scene in the and mckinley movie. come across some girls taking off their clothes and the by the water side and the, the, maybe the maybe the next big best quote in this whole movie aside from uh uh it's for my pussy is she got um, playboy titties she got them playboy titties <laughs> which actually when when uh, the, i can see what he's talking about because it's the one lady with the big not huge tits but she's got like this tits going off in two different directions and shit it's like weird that. though because Just, they show like somebody yeah. taking off their top but nobody takes their top off no, yeah, and what the fucking Elizabeth Banks? She bends over and takes off her jean shorts, and she's wiggling her ass so much to the degree she almost falls over. Cause it's like she's doing such a hyper like parody of how a woman would sexually pull her pants down. Mm-hmm. It's fucking it's Elizabeth Banks. I never had a crush on Elizabeth Banks, but Elizabeth Banks on this movie is totally crushable because she acts like a fucking maniac in this mm-hmm. movie. It's fucking great. But yeah, all the girls get into the water and they start like well, bouncing. A- oh, I forgot. Also, the one kid says it's like Clute. Clute mm. being like this 1971 like, crime caper movie with Roy Scheider. And just that's such a weird, obscure reference oh. that I guess if you're out of your mind in 1981, you would make that reference. But but anyway, the girls get in the water and the guys are like, oh, they're like water nymphos or something like that. But the girls are like standing on just like ankle deep water, just like half acidly bouncing this beach ball around. Yeah. In a way, that's obviously they're parroting how girls would do this in a in, in an actual like meatballs type movie because it's not sexy no. at all. It just looks ridiculous. And also, McKinley's like, "All right, I'm out of here." And they're like, "Oh yeah!" As soon as he sees it involves girls, he just literally just like maybe does a 180 and just walks right out of the yeah, woods. Yeah. So they and they they yeah. tease him behind his back, and after he leaves, and about talk about how much he needs to get laid. And uh, they talk about who, yeah, we gotta get him the ultimate bay. Or yeah, something they talk like about that, how yeah. who they should hook him up with, and but he goes to the boat ho- house and raw dogs it with a Ben in their wearing only their shitty '80s tube socks. It is pretty in the the making of documentary. They talk about they, they talk to Bradley Cooper how he had just graduated the week before they started filming this. He he was like in the actors the actor studio, the New York um, acting school. And he actually had to miss his graduating class because he had to be there for the first day of filming where they shot him the sex scene here. And so and mm. not only this, but that, that, but this is his first film role ever. The first day of his first film, he has to get fe- uh, fucked in the ass by one of the guys from the state. 
And I do appreciate how long this scene goes on. Uh, and it's not really too gay panicky or anything, too. I mean, the joke yeah. is that like, it's two guys fucking, but like it's it's I it's but it's not like too like oh my god isn't it horrible or anything like that but it's just more the fact just how brutal the butt fucking is in this scene <laughs> that, that's more the joke than anything yeah because like bradley cooper he's like he's like getting like knocked up like, he's, like practically climbing the wall he's getting fucked so hard yeah yeah 1 30 p.m uh cooper's giving a speech about how uh, when they have an unlikely misfit group of kids to play softball or some shit, and, but they're gonna come from behind. Well, they've the been working all season, win. and f- yeah, yeah, they've been working at the whole season. They've miraculously like come from behind to win all the finals. Now they're in the final game, and they they could be like the champions and all this stuff. Yeah, but one of the kids says, "Ah, this whole thing feels pretty well worn." and trite yeah and none of the kids want to do it and he's like really okay and then the bus with the other team pulls up cooper <laughs> runs over to it talks to the coach and he's like oh yeah i guess it is pretty well worn territory well and they get back and on the you bus hear the other coach kind of like you see him kind of nodding goes oh yeah that's this that is kind of contrite that's the only thing the other guy yeah. says and he gets on the bus and then they leave yeah and he's like yeah they were cool with it and that's it that's it that's, that's the, the whole thing yeah. uh, i was hoping uh, that there would be a whole string of these things, because, you know, so many goddamn fucking camp summer movies and stuff like that end with, like, there being, like, like you know, uh, uh, climactic baseball game, gotta save the rec center, mm-hmm. gotta do this. I was hoping they would do, all like, a whole bunch of different things. Like, I was hoping the talent show would be something that just gets mentioned at the beginning of the movie but never set up again. And mm. uh, no, it, turned, it turns out, like, no, this baseball thing is just, like, a one-off, just random, like, yeah. joke, but, yeah. So, uh, JJ and the other kids see Susie and, which is, um, Amy Poehler yeah. and McKinley go into the woods and they follow, assuming they're going to get it on. Uh, but <laughs> when they get in there, they see Susie playing the flute <laughs> as, as Beth kind of marries or joins, uh, McKinley and Ben together. And, and JJ and the other guy are shocked at this and they're like, oh, he's a, and they say that word. Oh and yeah, they, I forgot. They yeah, wonder this what is... they're gonna do. Yeah. And then, and then a game of capture the flag happens. Well, this is uh, one. Li- Actually, there's a nice little bit of a, a fake acting here from uh, uh, Janine Garofalo. I say fake acting because she's you know parodying this kind of real acting. But like when uh, the two guys marry and they hug, I think they hug, not even kiss. But like she does this thing where she like gets all choked up and then she like like she has to bury her face in her hands because she's just like oh oh but it's just like I thought it was such a great bit of like like uh fucking what's the network that shows movies for ladies where everyone's always being raped and their daughters are always being kidnapped uh like <laughs> Hallmark Channel or Lifetime or whatever like that it's such a great bit of like quote unquote feminine acting that like wins Oscars and shit like that but that's great but yeah the whole wedding ceremony is actually great and this is actually the last thing they ever shot for the film. Uh, was mm. the thing, but yeah. And so, uh, then a game of Capture the Flag happens, and it, we see the robot kid uh, holding a chicken, pretending like it's a gun, <laughs> and then <laughs> he's making up. the greatest laser sounds. And the, I uh, I think I might be lying if I said when I was a kid I didn't do that with one of our chickens at some point. <laughs> see the chicken you know it's it's gonna be kind of passive to let you do it so yeah <laughs> yeah why not 
And also, yeah. I don't know if there's any supposed to be a little bit of a joke here, but I thought it was just kind of funny because this also this scene also involves Amy Poehler and Bradley Cooper, which Bradley Cooper has just gotten married. They've had this whole big elaborate ceremony. This is part of the all. This is part of the movie where things start breaking down. The idea that this is all supposed to be taking place on the same day, which doesn't make any sense at all. But like, I love the fact that like they've completely changed clothes and they're just hanging out like despite they just got married and all this stuff. And, but anyway, but yeah. Yeah, and um. Uh, but yeah, uh, Janine Garofalo Beth comes over, like, talks yeah. to him, and tells him whatever his talent is, he should do it at the talent show. And elsewhere, Andy's still being a douche to Katie. Well, don't and, they uh, freak out about how you well, can't then, have that? Well, freak then it out. comes back. Oh, okay. Susie, Susie yells at Beth for letting the robot kid into her show, and Beth just stares at her, which is enough for Susie to be like, "Fine, I'll put him on last." And uh, now he's in the show. Oh. And then elsewhere, Henry is still hanging out with the nerd kids. And he confides in them that he's just an associate professor. He's not an actual professor. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And he says, it means that he's less than. And they all cry and hug. Yeah, which is and cute. Beth comes, yeah. Beth comes up and joins them. And she says uh, what they need is some lunch and to go watch the Capture the Flag game. And she makes them a deal. If they do that, they can spend the rest of the day doing science shit. And uh, she vomits a bunch of science terms out that she learned from the books. Oh, yeah. And Heliocentric. Life, and, Yay! Yeah. And they run off. And then Henry hangs out with her, vomiting out camp director terms and shit. I love yeah, how you have to worry about insurance and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Elsewhere, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's the tenor of this whole episode. Just because it is just like, and that scene's over. Yeah. Yep. Lindsay comes up and hits on Andy with barbecue sauce all over her face. Well, it's a great uh, juxtaposition because this starts off like a close up of her ass in super tight denim jeans. It's all like, hey, what's up? So sexy. And then it cuts to the reverse shot of her face, and she looks like a fucking monster. She's got She's barbecue sauce and meat debris all over her face <laughs> not only that then they cut to another shot later where she's now got some of that same shit not she's she's suddenly got for no reason suddenly got more of it all over her mouth and then she's also got some on her forehead and it's like i don't know if that's just a joke or a genuine uh uh continuity uh error but it's just <laughs> he's like oh she's like i'm gonna make out he's like you got barbecue sauce all over you and she's like i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> They're both very dumb. She wants to make out, but Katie's right there, so he's like, not here, and they go elsewhere. Oh, she got barbecue between her teeth and shit, too. She's a fucking yeah. mess. So, Henry and Beth are walking around talking. Oh, he's no, the best thing in the whole movie happens here. I'm glad I made a note of this, because otherwise I wouldn't uh, uh missed it. In the same oh, yeah. shot where a fucking uh, Ant-Man and Elizabeth Banks suddenly, like, they go off, they, they wander away to go fuck with barbecue sauce on her face. Uh, Christopher mm -hmm. Maloney, the, the chef, suddenly shows up, and he goes to make a burger, and then someone throws a hamburger patty, and he does this fantastic single-handed catch with the, with the bottom half of a burger bun in his hand. And it's just the mm. best bit of action in the whole film. It's just a great catch. <laughs> and then he just, like, you know, he just puts the top, top on the burger, and it's just, but it's, it, I don't know why, I just loved it so much. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, but, but yeah, Fraser brother. And Beth are walking around talking. He's up for tenure this year. And she says he's so talented. And he's like, oh, tell that to my dean. And she's like, all right, give me his address. And then they kiss. And then now they're in love. Yeah. Which they've been flirting all the time. All, but that just seals the all, deal. 
Well, yeah, and all the while the capture of the flag is happening around them. Yeah. And I, somebody wearing Kenyan colors grabs a flag <laughs> and outruns everyone. And it's never really. It's an all. It's 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 like I thought it was like maybe. Wait, are they trying to make like an Usain Bolt joke? Like ten years before Usain Bolt became a thing? And no, he's this guy's just credited in the credits as just Kenyan athlete. <laughs> And he wins, the, he wins the, the 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 tag thing, and it's just again, just non sequitur. What the fuck? That's the thing. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. This movie having such a modern sensibility because it's so much just random shit happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, uh, Coop falls on his face, looks up, sees Katie in the crowd, and Abby's making out with JJ. Two twenty three p.m. Uh, Abby and Lindsay are on a boat with kid wash skiing behind them and then they kiss and he's like and he's like uh you taste like a burger i don't like <laughs> I you anymore that. and he makes the sneering face at her too and it's just like the most like i don't like you anymore and i thought that was gonna yeah. be a little bit of a joke but it's not a joke he's just genuinely disgusted by her what you and think a it, beautiful woman who tastes like a burger would be like the best of both worlds what's andy's problem here well <laughs> yeah and then uh, uh, the kid falls in the water, this water skiing, and it makes a pitched-up Howie scream. Is it the Howie scream, or is it the Wilhelm scream? Yeah, well, we just missed the Wilhelm scream, because I think it's one of the kids in the in the uh, tag match right before this makes a Wilhelm okay. scream. But, like, yeah, I think it's a pitched-up version of that or something. Yeah, it's 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 another... It's, a, it's another... Whoever did the sound scream. effects for this movie later on when they're getting the Skylab tracker together, it's making a bunch of Jet Force Gemini sounds. So someone mm. had the most generic fucking sound effects pack for yeah. this film. And then, yeah. uh. But yeah, so the kid, one kid Some drowns. kid in the boat. Yeah. Some kid in the boat is like, is it my turn yet? And another child gets thrown from the van. Which is a continuity error, because that van has crashed. Fucking Victor mm. crashed that mo- 20 minutes ago in the movie. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I just love now we have at least two drowned kids, a whole bunch of kids presumably still stuck on the rope course. And you yeah. still have the kids that Neil and Victor left behind on the raft on the river. So yeah. it's like it's like a lot of kids are still in danger in this film. Yeah, Coop brings Katie to a goat barn. It's where he comes, I think, and they both say they're cold and they start swapping sweatshirts and flannels back and forth, and it goes on for a while. Yeah, well, the, it starts off kiss. especially because they're like, oh, they're both like, oh, I'm cold, and then it's like they do the gender role reversal where she's like, oh, you're cold. You want to wear my jacket? And then he's like, he does take it, and then she's like, ah, shit, now I'm even colder than I was. And so he gives her his uh, flannel, and then he's like, no, I want that back, because that's my favorite flannel. And, like, they're not acting nearly as romantic as they should, because this should be the big flirting scene, but they're just being really goony. But, like, yeah, they keep on just changing jackets and flannels, and it's all just kind of ridiculous. But it is just, there's a call forward to this later on about uh, Coop's uh, flannel becomes a thing, but yeah. Yeah. And now the boy is role-playing with with Gale, and uh, uh, he's pretending to be her ex, Ron, and he tells her, I'm ready to give our marriage another shot, and she says, the kids are like, be strong, Gale, and she's like, no, it's over, Ron, and everybody's like, yay, and that scene's over. Yeah, but (laughs) it just shows that she's getting better, and the kids are really helping her uh, get her shit together. It's very cute. Yeah. In Beth's office, uh, Coop calls his parents and says, Hey, don't worry about me, I met <laughs> someone. Beth's there doing paperwork while he's calling, too, so it's not like he was, he's doing this by himself, but, like, yeah. Yeah, and at one point he says, What? Well, I don't think so, but she's got a pretty big nose. Did they mention, did the beekeeper guy at the beginning mention this is a Jewish camp anyway? 
Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't notice. But so I guess yeah. Presumably they're worried about whether or not she's Jewish. Yeah. Just the fact that he's hey. calling up his parents to tell them that he just met this girl. He just started flirting with the girl in the last hour of this day, and he's calling up his parents like I might. And he even tells them like, "Oh, he's got a. She's got another boyfriend, but I think I can make it work." It's just the yeah. saddest shit imaginable. Mm-hmm. And uh, Beth, tell he hangs up after talking to them. He's like, "She's probably looking for me. I gotta go." And Beth tells him not to jump the gun this yet. And he's like, you're funny, Beth. That's funny. You're funny. And he leaves. And then uh, kids are practicing for the town show. Susie yells at them because she thinks they're all terrible. An amateur hour and whatnot. She's like, kind of like the Martin Prince where she's like, she's so worried about everyone interpreting this as like community local theater. She's like, oh my God, what is this? Like Cleveland? Or it's yeah. a little bit like, who's the guy who directs the John Lovitz character that, that directs the... Uh, uh, is it uh, the streetcar street name? Design. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like that where like uh, this director's the what the stakes they're imagining for this like tiny little production are so off the charts it's ridiculous. That's like half the yeah. joke. But yeah. Yep. But then we got to Coop uh, and he's looking around for Katie. Susie or Katie? No. Oh, you dare correct me now that I've actually remembered two characters' names. Yeah. Coop okay. Is looking for Katie. As, yeah, he's looking for Katie. I had it written down for Susie, but I think that's probably because I was looking at her on the screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he finds her hanging out with Andy, looking sad, and oh, she's she crying. Too late, we're okay. Yeah, he runs outside. And, and this is weird because I thought like they're obviously having some kind of heart to heart, and I thought it was going to turn out she's pregnant because I can't imagine what a conversation she could suddenly be having with with Andy that like like with Andy being Paul Rudd, uh, why she would be like crying like this. Well, but it's never really asshole. explained. Well, he's, he's not an acting asshole. like an asshole there. I mean, he's just kind of he like... Probably, he probably tastes like hamburgers, and she knows he doesn't need a hamburger. That's true. Um, but yeah, it's never... like I don't know. That feels like something... A deleted scene or something like that, because I thought that was going to turn out like... or like Obviously, some news has happened that it's made her cry. And mm. you think if you've been dating Paul Rudd... You, like, if you're going to be crying, it wouldn't be because you're dating Paul Rudd, because you think by then you would have developed enough Paul Rudd antibodies well, that Paul Rudd wouldn't make you cry, because you know what to expect. Plus, but plus she's 16, and her emotions are raging. <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. I'm getting my period from my pussy! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now it's dinner time. Yeah, uh, and I love how it's announced with the guy with the electric guitar, too. I thought it was pretty cute. Yeah. Ben and McKinley are inside, and they're like, I wonder where JJ and uh, Gary this are. Apparently, the chubby, the chubby guy's name is Gary, and the door swings open, and they're like, McKinley and Ben, this is for you. And they've got this box, so you, of course the joke is that you think that they're, like, missed, like, that, that, like they've gotten the, her, like, some, like, a lady in a cake or something like that, but no. It's a chaise lounge. It's, we didn't know if you had one Carol. already. So, but we have the receipt if you do. <laughs> I love they're just so thoughtful. And even Bradley Cooper is like, oh, yeah, this will look, look great with like the throat my sister gave us and all this yeah. stuff. And it's just, that's a little of a parody of like, you know, the gays are being so, oh, thank you so much. Blah, 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 blah. But I just love, yeah, they, 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 they're subverting the trope of these two knuckleheads who just love to fuck and just want to see titties, not understanding mm -hmm. gay culture. But like, no, they're it turns out they're totally cool. They're actually very thoughtful gift givers. But that's yeah. the end of that whole thing. And then uh, Beth makes an announcement that some kids need to put their trunks out because they need to go back home early, which is just a uh, reason for her to improv a bunch of names to call out. This is the one bit in the movie that feels like Ghostbusters remake, where it is just someone just like, hey, just make up shit for five minutes. 
Um, and 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 but this gives us time that Gene the cook is gonna talk to a can of vegetables. <laughs> well, one notable by, thing about voice her, voiced by yeah H. John Benjamin. Yeah. One notable thing before we go into that about her improvising is that uh, I guess she was at some kind of summer camp after she had starred with Hank Azaria in Mystery Men. Have you seen that? Yeah. Mystery Men's good times. Uh, but she was at a summer camp somewhere where she saw Hank Azaria's name on, like, a plaque of, like, people who had attended that summer camp before. She was like, wait, is that the Hank Azaria? You know, Simpsons Hank Azaria. And so she called him up and was like, hey, were you part of, like, this summer camp thing? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, I went there for, like, ten years when I was a kid. And she just thought it was so funny that, like, I guess this happened shortly before they made this film. And so in tribute to Hank Azaria, she, one of the names she drops is Jessica Azaria. Originally she was going to call out Hank Azaria, but she thought that name would be too recognizable. But she just wanted to work the name Azaria in there anyway. But so that's mm -hmm. at least the, there's one thing to come from her just randomly improvising for five minutes that. But, yeah, again, speaking of this movie being super modern and it's sense of humor it's the fucking can of mixed vegetables suddenly starts talking to fucking gene and it's the voice of bob's burger slash archer and like i did it, not expect again this movie being star-studded even the can of mi mixed vegetables is like cutting yeah. edge casting it's fucking insane yeah and gene says he's gonna go smear mud on his ass but the can tells him to own it and be honest about it yeah and he's like i've never told anybody this before but I could suck my own dick. I do it all the time. Be honest. And so. And he says it the most John H. Benjamin way, where it's like it's actually kind of helpful. Kind of like, oh, you want to trust that can of mixed vegetables? Yeah. Then uh. outside, Coop runs up to Katie, and she lets him know that what they did before was a mistake and it was wrong, and he's sad about it. And, and again, I thought says, there was going to be more to this. Why she suddenly decides to spurn? Unless I, I guess maybe this is all because she came out to Paul Rudd and said, "Hey, I'm dating Coop now," and maybe Paul Rudd got upset and now she wants them to break up yeah. or something like that. But this is just, this is one of the things that, like, from a character perspective. I know this is not supposed to be deep character piece. This movie, but still, it's kind of like the things randomly happening just because they have to happen. But like, still doesn't yeah. like anyway. But yeah, anyway. So uh, he said, since this morning that they've started talking, he's fallen in love with her. And he's coming to her as a man and blathers on and on. It's your typical 80s love speech. One of my notes is, do actresses get stunt pay for pretending to be in love with anyone from the state? Because <laughs> everyone's a goddamn monster. <laughs> Maybe not so much Michael Ian Black. He looks kind of like a normal human being. But like everyone else is still such a galoot. It does not work. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and Beth is still saying names, but then Gene the Cook uh, wants to say something and slams the door open and knocks uh, Susie with a plate full of food flying. Yeah, fucking uh, Parsner Recreation gets fucked up. <laughs> she gets knocked flat on her ass. Yeah. He says it's been a great, s great summer, and now he's going to go hump the fridge. And he starts to walk away, but then he turns around and is like, oh, that's right. And he owns up to it. He has a bottle of dick cream, he fondles sweaters, and he smears mud on his ass. And he introduces his friend, the can of vegetables. He says it's okay, he's honest now. Gary rolls in a fridge, he climbs aboard it, and starts slowly humping it. Everybody claps for him. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Even the physicality of... Christopher Maloney climbing up onto that fridge and slowly humping it while clinging to it like Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. I was actually kind of impressed by. 
Um, if yeah, if he were a smaller guy like Lo, Lo, uh, Joe Lutruglio, that could be easier. But he's kind of a tall guy with some muscle mass on him. But yeah, I, I could see that being kind of difficult. But mm. uh, also, I just love that all of his sexual issues, like falling sweaters and dick cream and all this shit, there's no through line to any of this. It's just random sexual perversions. Yeah, smearing mud on his ass, which I always I thought was pretty good too. But. Oh my god. But yeah, he's sexually free and that's his happy ending. Yeah, 7.34 p.m. Everybody uh, nods at each other in the cafeteria and they all grab the DJ kid and carry his screaming ass to the shower where they wash him and then everybody comes out cheering. That's it. That's kind of the end of the whole fat kid line. I think there's uh, some... um, (laughs) I think they've had some issues. The writer had some issues with people like that in the past. He just wanted to do that too, so he wrote a scene of it. In his movie. <laughs> yeah, because there's, again, there's no real punchline or anything like that. They just make him take a shower. They don't even strip him naked or anything like that. They just no. get him wet, and that's mm-hmm. it. Then uh, Beth and Hendry are walking around, and she's wondering what's going to happen to them tomorrow. And uh, he says they have bigger problems. And she's like, oh, no, you don't have crabs, do you? And he's like, what? No. Well, yes, but that's not the problem. Uh, oh, does he actually say that? Yeah. Oh. But this is not the time or the place. Meet me at the picnic table in 10 seconds. So she does. And he literally turns around, like, in the 10 seconds that he's off camera, he puts on a coat, and, like, the picnic table is right there, obviously within her full view, but the joke is that she doesn't see it until it, it yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Actually, that's interesting, because they walk past the spot where the table and all the stuff is, so in the 10 seconds they walk past it, they actually had to rush in there with all the actors, the picnic table, and set up all this, like, little, mi- that's actually from a production perspective, that's kind of interesting, yeah. yeah. Because it's not like something that was set up and they just moved the camera to. They're like, they had to, like, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, so anyway, now he's in science mode. The whole science club is there. Yeah, and he tells you. He's got exposition. He yeah. spotted a piece of some nasty shit falling towards them. The Skylab! The Skylab, and, and maybe they can figure out where it's going to land. And if they can do that, they can save a bunch of kids. So that's what they're going to do. And do then, you remember Skylab, Daniel? No. You you were there in 1981, right? I was... In the summer of 1981, I was not even one yet. That's what I'm saying. No, Skylab was just like NASA's first uh, space station that was never designed to stay in uh, orbit permanently. It was only up there for like two years. and But then, yeah, it was designed to uh, you know, come back down to Earth. But in process of doing so, it had to you know, come crashing through the Earth's environment and break up. And I remember there were a lot of jokes back in the day of like, who is Skylab going to kill? And this is obviously just a reference to that. Somebody's house, you know, being destroyed by Skylab mm-hmm. or whatever. Anyway. So, uh, whoa! Whoa! Tubby time. Oh my it's god. Fine. Uh, uh. <laughs> and, uh, let's see. Uh, Coop goes to visit at Andy, yeah, Paul and Rudd, to tells say him, hey. Tells him to fuck off. And Coop says that he loves Katie. Don't, do you love Katie? And Andy's like, no, but she's hot. And, uh,. And, and he's like, you know, she's not your plaything. Leave her alone. No, stop dating her. And he's like, ah, fuck off. And then he goes. <laughs> I'm tired of this conversation. Yeah. And he goes outside. He steps in a bucket, slips on a banana, falls in a kiddie pool, and has the bucket land on his head. End of scene. <laughs> it is. <laughs> For no reason other than he's just a sad sack piece of shit. Yeah. It is very Simpsons, mm. and it's just random abuse of a character for no reason, other than he's just a sad sack piece of shit. But. Yeah, and then the, anyway, the- cut back to the science club. They've put together a Skylab tracking mechanism out of donuts, pine cones, cans of spam, 
mm-hmm. a trash and, can, colander. Yep, if it works, uh, Henry could win the Hopkins Awards for science shit. And that's it. There's just yep. a quick little bit of exposition. Yep. That's back to Cooper just crying in the crying. Woods. Yep, and, and he's got like Vaseline shit smeared all over his face. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the cook comes out of nowhere and tells him to be proud of who he is. Uh, well, it, it is, but or she's, but uh, <laughs> see if you can follow him here. It it, it isn't. Oh, it is, and it isn't, and it, what stuff is said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I must have been like checking my email during this bit or something, because I don't remember there being a long, like random uh, shit by Gene or anything like that. Uh, not not super long, but uh, but just enough of like it's just the like, advice that oh, doesn't make any sense. Teach yeah, me the ways. Platitudes. So Coop wants him to teach him the new ways. So then there's a training montage where they run a lot. They do some dancing oh, yeah. type shit, trying to snatch a jelly bean out of Gene's hand. This is one of the things in the movie where it kind of goes on for too long and it's not quite as funny as it thinks it is. Like, yeah. like I get the joke, but it's a bit like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And just do... Especially knowing that this storyline doesn't go anywhere in the larger scope of the film, it's all just a little bit like time kill. Yeah, and just do your basic Rocky montage type shit. Yeah. 7.51 p.m. And, and Victor's back in camp and he's all beaten and bruised. And he's running. Yeah, it's dark now. Yeah. And then Beth yells. uh, Neil arrives on his bike, and Beth screams at him. Well, no, that's the thing. If you go back and watch, it's not Neil. It's not Joe Latruglio. It's someone who I swear to fucking God looks like David Cross in a wig. Hmm. And then she says, oh, hey, Neil, what's up? And then it, the camera whip pans to, you know, Jenny Garofalo when she says that. And it whip pans back to the uh, to the uh, motorcycle. And then it is actually Joe Latruglio. Well, he probably like, doesn't know how to ride a motorcycle. So well, that's probably what I was wondering. I don't was, know, but they go it. out of their way to show the face of the stunt double. Who mm. looks a lot like... I actually had to look it up to make sure it's not like they ran... Again, with this movie being super futuristic in its comedy senses. I was like, I could see this movie randomly dropping... David Cross in as a stunt double for Joe Latruglio. And no, it's not David Cross, but I just love the kind of, pay, like, they, they they go out of their way to show this motorcycle stunt double just mm. as, like, not even a joke, like a pointed joke, but still kind of, yeah, it's just ridiculous. She right screams, Neil, what's up? And he tells her that the kids are about to go over the rapids, and there's a quick shot of some kids waving their hands in the air. <laughs> ah, and not with, like, moving. big bump, bump, bump music. Yeah, by yeah. some rapids. And then a lot of yelling starts happening with cameras wiping around and running around and shit. Oh yeah! In the me- and the phone calls are coming from inside the camp and they run the yeah. infirmary. That's the only other place with a phone and knock shit off tables and knock well, work cabinets. Well, the, the, the medic lady is like like sticking like trying to take the temperature of a girl inside the thing. They just come on knock over all of her equipment and the, the, she's like, oh, the, the other phone. It's in the other room and they just go in there and tear apart the rest of her. Her, her whole little medical lab and just yeah this is again this is the part where again the reality of the movie starts getting super saggy where this is obviously just a comedic riff for the sake of a comedic riff yeah lots where of it's screen. just like yeah it's it's just like it almost feels like like this was completely improvised like they were just really tired after a long day and like john latruglio just takes a big full jar full of candy smashes against the window and they're just all just freaking out and, yeah. yeah and then uh victor runs up to abby who's making out with uh uh that's a ten year old. Yeah, ten year old named Louis Louis. And uh he cries and uh, you have Oh, it's idea? pouring in this scene what? too, actually. Yeah. What yeah. I've gone through to get here. And she <laughs> says, You snooze, you lose. And then That's it, yeah, that's yep. yeah. 
And then Beth and Neil and that, run up. That's Victor's whole arc in this film. Yeah, Beth and Neil run up and say there's a bunch of kids about to go over some rapids. And he's going to be a solution or part of the problem. And, and the he, moment they say that, they cut back to the kids again. It's still, it's a, it's a reuse of the same shot of them about to go over the rapids. Bump, bump, bump. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, he says, let's go. And Beth waves them off with the, uh, the, the like, queen wave, the elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist wave. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, uh, they go out to the rapids, and, and Henry or uh, uh, Victor runs off camera, and Neil just reacts to sound effects of Henry saving the kids. Oh, that's. <laughs> uh, this is one of the things I don't know if this was planned or if they just ran out of time and money. But like Joe Latrug, uh, I don't know. I can't even speak today. Joe Latruglier just does such a great job of miming, watching what an amazing job Victor's doing, saving all these kids off this raft. Mm-hmm. And like you hear sound effects and stuff like that, and then suddenly Victor comes back and he's got all the kids, and that's it. Yep. And uh, he says, next time, Neil, you drive the van. And they laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Again, Mentos commercial. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the science kids are wishing there was another way to save everybody in the rec hall. uh, Because that's where the... um, Yeah, the machine has calculated that the remnant of Skylab is going to crash right into the rec hall. Yeah, which is where Where the talent show is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But they they need some sort of random number generator that to generate numbers between 1 and 20 but that takes some sort of supercomputer all this lost uh, no it's not because no dungeon master worth his gelding goes anywhere without his 20 sided die I do like uh, Fraser's brother his doing calculating math in the air mm-hmm. and he's like no oh, that's not gonna work oh that will work too but yeah anyway yeah so dungeon master kid figures he can use a d20 and yep. the talent show's about to start Beth interrupts with bad news. Talent show is great because it's got a light bright sign at the bottom of the stage. It says talent show. I just uh, fucking love it. Nice. <laughs> Anything with a light bright. Beth gets it my vote. interrupts with bad news, but the kid, science kids tackle her and whisper something. And she says, the bad news is there knows bad news. And they're all, ha ha ha, Beth, you're funny. Cut up. And then the actor that plays Coop comes in as the MC and starts making jokes about how old he is. Everybody this loves is the, the part of the movie of that me smacks the most of the state in like not a good way because yeah. it's just him just doing a whole vaudevillian cat skills like it's it's the MC from Dirty Dancing where he's yeah. just being an old Jewish man like hey I got jokes and the joke is that I'm terrible and this is gonna go on for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the crowd at the movie loves the shit out of it. And yeah. then here's a kid. Uh, here's a kid. Roger, the master broom balancer. It goes exactly as how you think of what a kid comes out and balances the broom on to say I did it, he goes back. Not even for five seconds. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And the nerds move their machine closer to the rec hall and start doing science shit and some girls inside sing about being friends and a white kid talks about how lame white people are and how cool the brother is and everybody's like it's true it's so true yeah it's very simpsons jokes like one of the guys in the audience is like yeah it is true white people suck yeah. but yeah simpsons did it first though i'm yeah. surprised somebody didn't say like lean in and say i there's no black people in this movie that's a good point actually yeah. what but it's the 80s in what new england or whatever the fuck there? And, yeah uh, and uh, yeah, it is what it is. Maine, 19. I mean, there are black people in Maine, but like, yeah. Uh, and then uh, a kid lights his farts, and <laughs> Gail's husband comes in out of nowhere and says he wants her back again. But- I mean, this guy isn't super popular, but he's Judah Friedlander, who like was on 30 Rock and stuff. And yeah. so, again, it's just another face. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. 
and he comes in and he wants her back, but she says no. She's strong and shit now, and she's had too many shit over the cutters in her life. And he says, you come back to him, and she's like, I don't think so, I don't think so, everybody, yay, cheers, and, she, and he leaves. And so now here's Susie's group to sing day by day from Godspell, but Susie interrupts the MC and takes the mics and says they suck dick. But here they are anyway. <laughs> So, <laughs> just Amy Poehler's reading of that. She's so angry about it too, but they suck dick. It's just great, yeah. So they they sing. Of course, they're fine. And the they're cl- actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. The, the the crowd claps along, sings, sways, gets into it, and there's it's... a weird thing because it's a comedy performance thing where all the adults are like overperforming how happy they are to like the all the comedians all the all, all, all the you know adult performers in the mm-hmm. crowd are like way overselling like we love this musical act and all the kids there who are just there just like just stage right they're like fake kind of trying to being happy but not nearly as uh as energetic as like everyone all the all you know all the like you know like uh not amy poehler but who like like fucking bradley cooper and everyone else in the crowd like, but the kids are just kind of like being like, hey, hey. they're not like being over, t- over the top funny mm. into the performance like the adults were. I thought that was just kind of an interesting thing. So but the anyway, song yeah. finishes and everybody boos the shit out of them. Well, I wonder, is that because like a giant cross comes up and when everyone sees the cross, they just start suddenly no, start like booing? No, I think the joke booing. is they're, they're fine, but everybody says they suck. It's just, that's oh, okay. Just it it's just kind of suddenly, because everyone's into it until that moment that cross shows up. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the kid, the nerd kids outside are rolling the dice and doing science shit. And uh, oh, we missed the part where the one girl says, "My oh my god, that's only one mixtape." I guess that's 90 minutes before Skylab's supposed to hit. But that, mm. that was a funny line. And, it's a great uh, way to measure 90 minutes of time. Yeah. Then the the, the MC is still making bad jokes, and they really wanted you to watch this character, huh? Oh and god. The, and then, again, this is one of those things where I'm kind of surprised how much I like this movie, considering how much of the state I just want to throw my fucking dick at. <laughs> And then Coop comes in in his cool guy attire. He's a headband, a belly shirt, tiny shorts. He walks all over to Katie and kind of acts disinterested and tells her that he's leaving. He's grown up a lot since before dinner last they talked. And he gives her a tiny little box of leaves. And the nerds are still doing shit. And then finally, for the last thing, uh, Steve, the robot kid, comes out on stage with sunglasses and gloves. He holds his hands up, and wind starts to blow and shake and rattle and all that jazz. And I don't know. And then, well, <laughs> this well, is again. This is I. This feels like they kind of kind of ran out of ideas for the end of the movie because I guess it is insinuating that his magic power is creating a windstorm. Yeah. That a windstorm that generates from the inside of the rec club that eventually does blow Skylab piece out of the way enough that it doesn't crush the rec hall. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's the fact they couldn't come up with anything for his his act to do that's actually kind of funny or entertaining. It's just kind of, like, slightly odd, but not, like... Yeah, yeah it's, again, I... Th- it, it feels like they were, like, coming down from their sugar high when they were writing the last third of the screenplay a little bit. Yeah. Katie opens the box and a tiny, I mean, the tiny <laughs> box and pulls out the whole flannel Coop was wearing earlier. That is cute, yeah, because it, it's, the box is like, like, like the size of something you'd keep a ring or a wristwatch in, but yeah. No, yeah. She chases after him. Abby makes out with Lindsay and... <laughs> <laughs> Randomly, and and now Katie tells Coop that she loves him. She didn't know until oh, Paul very Rudd's moment. doing this great air guitar thing too, while the wind is going. Mm. And uh, Janine Garofalo was gets hit in the head, <laughs> hit in the face of the bench. Yeah, 
Anyway, but yeah. She didn't know that this moment and blah, 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 80s, baby, 80s movie film, someone realizing that they love someone else, gaga, blah, blah. Yeah. And then uh, Coop and Katie kiss as the wind blows, things shake, and the NASA Sakai lab falls from the sky and lands next to the rig. They did it, yay. This has got to be the most expensive part of the whole film is the construction of the Skylab prop, because it is like the size of a bus. Yeah. And it's a real size prop. It's not a model because you have the actors like uh, framing. They're like in front of the camera, <laughs> and and it just crashes and it says Skylab, and that's that's kind of like yeah. That's and suddenly the windstorm stops and everyone's like, oh my god, what the hell is up with that guy on stage? And that there's no answers. That just kind of ends, and then suddenly Beth kisses Fraser's brother, and then yeah. Yeah, and now uh, the wind the stops. The movie's kind of over. The wind stops, and JJ starts a slow stat clap for Steve. Oh, that's too. right. You know what? Th I wonder if this is one of the first examples of the sarcastic slow clap in uh, movies. Because throughout the aughts, this was such a big comedy joke with somebody mm. doing, like, you know, somebody fucking up at a public thing, but then, like, the slow, like, getting everyone getting on their hands and knees and. The fuck am I talking? I can't speak tonight. That's all right. But <laughs> it's, it's the next day, <laughs> and campers are leaving the camp. People are crying because they'll never forget the friends they made, never ever for the whole month. And then <laughs> Henry runs up to. Although Beth. they said eight weeks, so it's at least been two months. Yeah, Henry runs up to Beth, and he got it. He got the Hopkins Award, which is just a big trophy. <laughs> Hours after we just saw everything happen. Yeah. And he's already got his statue. And, well, and NASA is hiring him to go to Cape Canaveral in Florida. And she's like, I knew this would happen. We'd fall in love and, and you'd leave. But he said not to worry. He he hands his awards to somebody off screen and <laughs> uh, tells her that he told NASA he needed an apartment for two. And plus, they'll fly her back every summer for camp. And, um,. He knows they've been having a lot of trouble, but he was thinking they could adopt. And she's like, but don't worry, I'm pregnant. And also... I just love the phrase that we've been having a lot of trouble. Yeah. I mean, I know the punchline is that she couldn't already just be pregnant, too. I mean, she, I, mean I guess technically she could be, but she wouldn't know already. But the idea that, like, they've been fucking it for the, at the maximum for six hours. And he's like, I know we've had lots of trouble. Mm -hmm. and also, yeah, Gail yeah. is now romantically involved with that one kid who gave her the massage. <laughs> Yeah, they come walking through. Well, we also miss there's a little bit in uh, during the windstorm uh, the night before uh, they they kind of connect and he pushes the, the hair out of her ears. Mm. And the suggestion that they were about to kiss, which I guess originally they were going to film a big torrid kiss between them during the windstorm. And I think they checked it out during filming. And so they just cut it down to him just like brushing the, the, the hair out of her face in this in the moment of intimacy, but it's not kissing because mm -hmm. even they were like, I don't think we should get Molly Shannon to actually French a, t a 12 year old. <laughs> but yeah. still, I do love they come rolling through as a couple the next morning, though. And uh, yeah, uh, Gene nods. He's going to get in a car and he nods at the can of vegetables and the can nods back. <laughs> It just nods back. Mm -hmm. That may be one, my third favorite gag in the whole film is because you got John H. Benjamin there. Why not say some one last little funny line or something like the fact that it nods? Is, yeah. That's a great little moment of restraint there. And then the nerd kids are all laying on the, the ground lamenting that no one will ever know they saved anybody. But now they yeah. all have friends. Hip hip hurrah. Yay. And then uh, Katie talks to Koopa again and says he's awesome. <laughs> But Andy's just so hot. He's hot as balls. Plus, she's 16. 
And she doesn't even care that he's kind of lame and that he cheats on on her. But I'm, yeah, I'm 16 and all I think about is sex. And it's mm -hmm. the most self-aware teenage thing anyone could ever say. Yeah. Maybe when she's older and ready for marriage, she'll be cool with somebody like Rim. But now, right now, she's all about that Andy dick. But they'll still totes be friends. Better write me. Okay, bye. And she gets in the car with Andy and leave, or an parent and leave. And then a, a crane shot of uh, Beth coming up to him and putting her arm around Coop. And it's like, how are you doing? And they walk off, and the movie ends. And it's a uh, really weird kind of like. I appreciate the like the like the, the whole twist with Beth just saying fuck it, I'm just gonna go where my pussy that sends me. Mm -hmm. But it is like there's the twenty. There's no like real joke to the end. It's just yeah, no, Janine Garofalo yeah. and fucking the state walking away, and there's a bunch of garbage on the floor, and that's yep. it. That's the end of the movie. Cut to well, black. There's a mid credit scene. Ten years later. Yeah. JJ's Which late. even that is super just abrupt and just yeah. like it's li literally just five seconds. Yeah, JJ's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. I thought we said nine thirty, and Susie's like, no, we said nine, so we could be there by nine thirty, and then the movie ends. And everyone's a little more dressed and clean cut. And yep. also the inside of the cabin that they're in is kind of done. There's like this big fancy couch, which I guess shows off that it's like 1991. That's full fancy, but that's the end of Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, a movie that is way better than I anticipated. And which, again, watching it a second time while talking about it, it's yeah. got it's it's not perfect. No, the ending kind of gets a little, it gets a little too I'm wacky well, for its own good. I, I but I don't have a problem with it, but it's weird that it does it 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 takes itself like a serious camp movie for sections, but then it goes completely bonkers, batshit out of nowhere, and then goes serious again. Well, that's it's never like think... airplane set slapstick for a continuous period of time. Yeah. It's um, just weird. That's that's the thing. I think comedy like that kind of works best, especially the bonker stuff. Tends to be work best when there's a little bit of a core of like realness. Mm -hmm. Not realness, but like not every scene can be totally batshit bazonkers unless it's like airplane where literally you're expecting a joke every like fucking 10 seconds. Yeah. But like it's weird that this movie kind of turns into airplane in the last third. Whereas in the first half, like it kind of plays things, everything kind of like relatively straight, but everything's kind of a little bit of a twist of a joke. Whereas at the end, it's just all, it almost feels like so much of it almost feels like improv towards the end or like yeah. just everything's just so crazy that yeah that's why i kind of wish there was a little more character stuff that kind of continues through to the end of the movie which would have given the movie a little more spine towards the end, a little more shape but mm. it's, it's it's fine it's just comedy you're not supposed to take it too serious or anything like that but yeah it gets a little shapeless towards the end where it gets a little too goofy for its own good but it's still pretty good you know i liked it yeah it's um, funny enough it's not like one crazy summer where you've got the drama of can hoops shoot the basketballs or not. Uh -oh. While it's still got the goofiness of Bobcat Goldthwait and the Stork Brothers doing shit, but like, it's still pretty good. What Hot American Summer? Now, I don't know if I want to go to back and try to watch the net, because I didn't realize there were two Netflix series based off of this now, too. You had a prequel series, and then you had a 10 years later, I guess they made a whole series out of them getting uh, getting together 10 years after mm -hmm. this. They essentially turned the, the end credits thing in, in here into a whole series into itself. And yeah. yeah, I don't know. But it's still pretty good. I'm glad. This is for a random pick. <laughs> this is definitely better than Oz and Great and Powerful. That's oh yeah, sure. oh my fucking god. So, but yeah, what out American Summer? Even the making of stuff. Again, just looking up everything on the internet and watching the hour-long documentary about this movie. Uh, the only real trivia again is just that they were unlucky enough to shoot this during the one of the wettest, coldest uh, Pennsylvania springs in history, and so they, sh they, they despite the fact that the movie's called Wet Hot American Summer. 
it was just fucking pouring down rain the whole time. It was like barely ever got above like 50 degrees. It was like perfect pneumonia weather. Mm. And again, if you're uh, if you're really paid te- uh, paying attention to the movie half the time, you can see how like everything just kind of wet and dripping. And the fact that like they thought this movie was going to be a bigger hit than it was because I guess they debuted this movie at Sundance, where everyone loved it at Sundance, and there were all these offers for the movie, but something happened where. Like, the only person to actually really come through with an offer to buy this movie was, like, the USA Network or something like that. Hmm. only offered, like, the bare minimum to help cover the cost for, like, the production of the movie. And so the guys who made this movie, like, barely broke even. And the movie just kind of languished. I think they said, like, it wound up showing, like, in 30 theaters before it just... just, It was practically almost straight to video in the end. Hmm. Because it had the most, like, like the, the tiniest theatrical run that only, like, lasted for, like, two weeks before and went straight to DVD. But again, on DVD, though, it just blew up and, yeah, it became this movie that I've been hearing about for not 20 years, but I really started hearing about this movie about 10 years ago, and a lot of it was because uh, people saying it was good, but then also people even saying, like, the quality of the movie aside, just the fact there's so many people who have since blown up in it is just ridiculous. Again, it's a little bit like Freezing Geeks that way. Yeah. And, yeah, and even in the 10 years since I've been hearing about the movie since then, it's become even crazier how even more other people in this movie have become famous in the, in the 10 years uh, in between. So that is Wet Hot American Summer. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. It's a good July movie. Yeah. Don't know what we're doing next time. Continuing that trend. Might as well. Yay! Yay. Picking, uh, a, <laughs> picking a name out of a hat. Every week's a surprise. Yay! Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? It's a good time. Yeah, we keep us on our toes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so he's Mudron on Twitter and the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Tardy Podcast and Twitter Podcast.com, Tardy Podcast, Facebook, all places, share us around. We appreciate you listening, all that garbage goo, giddy 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 goo. Did you vanish, Bill? No. Oh. I'm just thinking about how we should have seen Molly Shannon and that 12 year old kid kiss. Oh. He has magic hands. Okay. He's really thinking about it. Like, they were robbed of the button on that character mm. arc. Okay. Like, you know, the hand, you know, the brushing where the hair was okay, but we should have seen them. They didn't have to, like, dry fuck in front of the camera, mm-hmm. but just even a little bit of, like, an open mouth, like, you know, like, you know, especially if it was a thing where he swept her off her feet or something like that. Mm. I think their first instinct to have Molly Shannon kiss a 12-year-old was correct. Yeah. I know this makes me the James Gunn of this podcast, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I just I was transported away just thinking about the movie. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. So that's what that's, Hot American that Summer. That was Hot American Summer next time. It'll it's be good. I, that actually, I'm glad a movie lived up to the hype. Yeah. Yep. yep. Thank Christ. <laughs> it's We've been let time. down by so many other movies. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oof. Yep. That's all. I got an announcement. Bill, you got anything else? Nope, that's it. Um, we'll meet here again uh, t- 10 years from now at 9.30. Sounds good. Well, let's meet at 9 so we can be here by 9.30. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Until then, keep feeling your holes of pop culture. Goodbye, everybody. Take care, guys. Take care, guys.